We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. Following, following the following is a journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Went forward in time to view alternate futures, to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. How many did you see? Fourteen million six hundred five. How many did we win? Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Journey Into Comics, the podcast that's dedicated to everything nerd. With your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips, and introducing his new co-host, Tyler McLaughlin. You should have gone for the head. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey Into Comics. It's Journey Into Comics 270. I'm Nate. Hope you guys are doing fantastic today. Joining me, as always, he's as grand in his size as the Mithral's uh, thorax, as it were. Welcome back to the show, the king of podcasting, <laughs> Tyler. Oh, man. Like, I look forward to doing this show more so every week just to hear your like obnoxious intro of me. More than yeah, I look forward good. to actually doing the show. Damn, damn right. Well, hey, Cause, dude. Because every week it becomes more and more absurd. <laughs> it's going to. It's going to get stranger, too. Things are going to get weird. Uh, Just wait till I use an X-Men analogy that I've been planning in my head. It'll be it'll be fantastic. Perfect. Uh, but we're not alone. No, we're not. We need to uh, we need to introduce our, our our guest today. Do you want to do it? Would you like me to do it? How do you, you want to do? You want to volley up for you? You can take the reins on this one. Well, I'm super fucking jazzed to have him back yet again. Our favorite former co-host of the Journey into Comics podcast, Brando. Welcome back. What is up, my dudes? It's awesome to be to be back here on the show once again. On was it two seventy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> fucking 270, what the hell? 270, my God. You know, I remember, the. I, I just remember 70. <laughs> <laughs> that was, like, in my mind, without, without, like, without even trying to think about it, when you said, I remember 70, the first thing that popped into my head was, okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I... Uh, somewhere around there, I, I don't, I don't remember what, like what, what one it was, but I, what we, but Nate, uh, I think I, I was talking about like Tomb Raider, or I was playing through Tomb Raider, or, or, mm-hmm. or one of those. Maybe it was like the second one, and we named the episode Room Tater. Mm. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, I remember that. That was a great episode. Lots of laughs. Uh, but today, you guys, let me. I need to. We probably need to mention this. Some people are coming here like, oh shit, they're going to finish House of X, Powers of X coverage today. Eh, wrong answer. We can't do it today. 
<laughs> nope. it, it, as much as we want to and as much as we, we plan to, you know, that was the original plan. Uh, if you listen to our last episode, uh, 269, Damn Them Boys Fine, that wasn't the title, but that's what I'm calling it right now. Um, like, we are we we have been gradually getting more and more hyped for The Mandalorian, which I think most Star Wars fans have been. Um, and now, you know, we had re- the release day episode, and then the, the second episode dropped two days ago at this point, uh, three days ago for anyone listening to this show on release day. And we, we just can't afford to not talk about it, you know, because if, if you're if you're paying it, even if you're not watching it, if you're paying attention to any of the social media presence for the show, I mean, some of the, the common things that are being said are this is the this is the closest thing to a Star Wars movie or representation that we've had since the original New Hope. And, you know. There's a lot of people that obviously would disagree with that. I think the show is stellar, for sure. Um, But, I mean, with it being so fresh this weekend, we can't afford to not talk about it. You know, Tyler, I mean, I think you said it best right there. Uh, The fact, I'm not so sure that we're just going to talk about it as much as we're going to take that Mandalorian helmet and and just circle jerk all the way around it. Yes. And just, like, just pour all of our love and man juices onto this Mandalorian because... Uh, when you know, when Disney Plus launched last week, and of course this was the like launching show, it was like one of two or three or whatever. But this was definitely the one that, it, like, if you were a Star Wars fan, come on, you didn't miss this. Absolutely. And, and it, it it was a it was a sheer treat. It is it is the one of the best. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I, I'm I'm ready to gush all over all over this, but just by watching this show. And the sheer amount of quality that they've been able to put into this show, uh, it, like it put it on par with any of the movies or anything like that. I am so excited because this show is what we're going to get going forward, not only with this show, but with the Obi-Wan uh, show. Mm-hmm. And that, and, and it, oh man, I, I am all hype because I'm, I want to see more of what happens here, and I definitely want to see more w- with what happens over there. Well, and I think too, um, you know, w- w- with the with the with this is, with as much success as this short or this show has had in such a short amount of time. I mean, it 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 released to critical acclaim almost immediately, at least from the fan base. I've I've tried to ignore what the critics have said, other than you know the click clickbaity headlines that you read on any of the the articles from mainstream media. Um, I have tried to solely focus on fan reception, and I, other than the, the little, the the really really minute nit, nitpicks that I'm going to talk about later in the show, I have heard or read nothing but positivity, and I really like that you brought up what's coming in the future as far as this show. You know, we might get multiple seasons. We don't know yet for sure. That hasn't been officially announced. The Obi Wan show uh, is is 100% confirmed. Um, you know, and you've got Ewan McGregor who is incredibly invested in the character, much like Hugh Jackman and Wolverine, which we talked about last week. So it's good to see him reprise that role. And I'm really looking forward to that going forward. But what I really like is after we finish this, this, the Skywalker generation, um, if, if there's, um, not a better way to say that, I, I don't know, but if we, if we, once we finish the Star Wars, Star Wars, or the, the Skywalker generation, 
I'm so excited. I'm fumbling over myself. Um, <laughs> it leaves it leaves a really good or it opens up a really good opportunity for Disney and Lucasfilm to maybe not create a massive shared universe the way that they have with um, the MCU. And I apologize. I have uh, my wife and my child fighting in the background. Um, Thunderdome. But, uh, yeah, it's Thunderdome in my li- my other <laughs> living room right now. But uh, hopefully the kid survives. But um, I, I think I think it'll be a really good opportunity for them to not necessarily flood the market with Star Wars TV shows, but create. I mean, there's obviously enough draw from fan or from fans to warrant that kind of reception, you know? They, they've acknowledged that Star Wars movies are getting to be a little bit stale. Give us more material like you have just with two episodes of a brand new IP, a brand new story, um, and then let's see, let's, let's go from there, you know? I couldn't agree more, man. I, w- I will say one thing important before we get super deep into The Mandalorian itself. Disney Plus breaking records. I mean, the most day one subscriptions in the history of streaming services ever 10 million yep that's ridiculous i mean and, in the best that, way it's ridiculous and that was that was just day one yeah you know that's and i don't know i don't know cuz I, I didn't really break down the the metrics as far as the day one subscribers i don't know if that includes all the people that pre-ordered it all the people that got in the the D23 promotions or the Disney Movie Club promotions like I got. Um, you know, I don't know if that if those numbers are included in the day one subscriber base. So, I mean, just going out on a limb, that, that 10 million, I would imagine that number is, is actually greater, you know, if those numbers aren't included. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I will say that... You know, one thing I'm kind of pissed off at, we did the Disney Plus Hulu Plus package. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to give you a month free, and it just didn't. Mm, okay. <laughs> they did just you... charged us right away. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it is kind of cool because if you're going to be paying already, like like for me, we already pay for Hulu with ads. And uh, basically, if since we're already enrolled in that, uh, they just kind of credit us the $5 or whatever for the Hulu uh, mm-hmm. with ads. So it, the net charge is $7, which is, that's kind of what it is for just Disney plus period. So we were already paying the Hulu thing anyway, adding this to it. We, we you know, we get the ESPN plus for free. Mm, okay. Nice. Yeah. I, I went for, you know, I got a promotion with, with the Disney movie club, which is almost identical to the D 23, uh, like pay for a year, it's like 160 bucks. Mine was like 174 dollars, so it was just slightly more. Um, I elected to go with the promotion that I got just with Disney Plus because I already get Hulu for free from being a Spotify Premium member, mm. and you know I don't watch enough Hulu to warrant paying for it anyway. You know, so. But I really like, I, I think it's really smart, and, and Nate and I talked in the past, and, and you and I, Brando, have talked off the air about how smart it was for them to uh, couple those three together in a package and give people multiple options, because, I mean, if, if they would have, I think if they would have released Disney Plus 
just as a package deal of ESPN Plus and Hulu for $14.99 a month or whatever it is, I don't think as many people would have subscribed just because they would have they 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 wouldn't have been able to trim the fat, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's really smart that they did it that they gave you the multiple options the way that they did. Well, that's also going to ensure that Disney can give you a lot more of the catalogs that they own. Yes, you know, like I I remember you said like in the uh, you know in the JSE group chat that you were like mildly irritated that the Predator and Alien stuff wasn't on Disney Plus, but there's no mm-hmm. rated, there's not going to be any rated R material on Disney Plus at all. It's just PG 13s the max. Yep. So therefore, they can they can load up Hulu with a lot more of this uh, you know 20th Century Fox stuff that they bought mm-hmm. that is rated R with the you know with the Predators, Aliens, uh, you know, Logan, Deadpool, that kind of stuff can go there and live there. Yep. And if you get this package, you get everything. You get the the MCU, Star Wars, Disney family friendly stuff, and you get the more adult oriented material on a separate app. Absolutely. I found a slight annoyance, and I don't know if you guys noticed it, but why is the Last Jedi not on there? Because it's uh, still on Netflix. Yeah. Oh license. shit. Same with okay, Infinity that War makes sense. Uh, and Solo. Those are still on Netflix. Those will be up next year, I think. Ant-Man and the Wasp as well. Ant-Man and the Wasp and Thor Ragnarok are both are both still on Netflix as well. Black Panther too? Uh, I'm not sure if that one jumped over or not. Because I don't think I not. saw Panther on there. So yeah, like, I mean, I think this is a good place to open the show. Just kind of our, our experience with Disney+. Plus. Uh, Brando alluded or brought up my... Um, my... Uh, what my unhappiness or, or or my frustrations with the rated R stuff being on there because I guess I just didn't read into it enough. I thought that when they said the entire catalog, I thought the rated R stuff was going to be on there. Um, maybe just kind of in its own, like, you can't access unless, uh, you know, you, you prove that you're an adult kind of thing. I, I, I just assumed that's how it was going to be. Um, but... Like I, I don't know how your guys' experience go, scrolling through the interface has been. Mine has not been great. Um, I like I don't I don't like that you have to dig super deep to find. Like, you know, on the on the homepage, there's Star Wars, Marvel, Disney, documentaries or whatever. If it's I click Pixar the, and Nat Geo, yeah. yes, th- thank you. If if I click, if I click the Marvel tab, it should bring up every single Marvel property, and it doesn't. So you have to go, at least from my experience, and it might be different for you guys, but to find certain things, I've had to go to the entire catalog A to Z and then scroll through it or search for it to find certain things. And then there's as I've been scrolling through, there's a lot of duplicates of movies or movies or TV shows, and I don't necessarily understand that. You mean like it's the same tile in multiple places? Yes. I mean, I think that's for like almost even Netflix has that where you'll see like Breaking Bad in your continue watching section, which no, no, spoiler no, alert. No, no, no. I Disney. mean, like if you go A to Z and you're okay. looking at the entire services catalog, let's oh, say. Oh, there are duplicates. Yes. So like, let's let's say Brave is in the first row of the Bs. Brave will also be in the second row of the Bs or Tangled or uh, uh, an obscure TV show like The Last Starfighter. Uh, you know, from the the from the bygone era of the '80s, um, 
I I pulled it up this morning to watch the second episode of Mandalorian again, and I saw multiple tiles in the overall catalog of like two or three different Nat Geo documentaries. Weird. I wonder if that's just a thing they haven't figured out how to get their cataloging right within their own system. Possibly. You know, I, I haven't read anything about it online, um, and, and that's kind of why I brought it up here. But, like, you know, the the major, one of the major things is, you know, they re-edited and changed A New Hope again. And, uh, like, the the X-Men animated series, the 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 seasons and the arcs aren't in the right order that they're supposed to be. Spider-Man. Oh, I saw that, yeah. Yep. Some of the animated Spider-Man show is missing and misorganized, and um, they changed the aspect ratio of The Simpsons and, you know, removed a lot of the gag jokes and stuff like that. So, not, not I mean, a smooth launch in as, as far as, like, people being to access it or being able to access it, but... You know, there's a lot of tweaks and things that they've changed that I'm not really sure why they did. And then, like, if you're a Vizio customer, and I brought that up in the group chat too, like, if you're a Vizio customer, you can't use the built-in Chromecast that's in your TV. So. And that's an error they said that they aren't going to even be able to address until early 2020. Right. Maybe, Uh, Maybe let people know ahead of time, you know? I mean... As far as the TVs are concerned, I hope that the issue gets resolved quickly. I feel like we are going to be witness to a couple major updates in the coming uh, months, especially considering you have people who are already like, why don't we have a continue watching section? Like, why don't we have certain features that Netflix has uh, Mm -hmm. that are pretty basic? One thing I found pretty interesting, though, was you could actually, in some of the different sections, they break it down like Marvel through the years. And they do like, it's the very last tab of all the Marvel stuff. And it's like, from their earliest cartoon that they have ever released, all the way through into their movies, like yearly. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of like follow the timeline, which I really, really did appreciate and thought was cool. And I found like, I was like, oh my God, there was a Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon I've never seen. I need to check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all in all, I think, uh, you know, Disney plus has been all right for me. Brando, you, do you like the service overall? I have a few gripes with the service. Uh, bring them to us. Well, it, it stuff isn't really that easy to find. Uh, as Tyler alluded to when you're just kind of looking through, uh, what they already have set up, you know, it's kind of difficult to find some things unless you are specifically searching for it. Uh, one of the things that I did, you know, like, a lot of the movies I watched when I was a kid, like the stuff from the 50s and 60s and 70s, the live action stuff, like Old Yeller mm-hmm. and Swiss Family Robinson and like Shaggy Dog and that kind of stuff. I actually found that by finding one old movie and then from there going through the suggestion because it's like two rows of suggestion. I'm like, oh, that one. Oh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Oh, oh computer wear tennis shoes. Okay. So that's how I – and then I just added them all to my watch list. But also within like the Marvel stuff, it's not really in order. Uh, no. It, yeah, it, I, that was one of my biggest gripes, specifically about that section. I, they need to have a section either uh, right away or maybe a little bit lower. It says it, that that is labeled like MCU viewing order or whatever. From that's uh, Iron Man one all the way to Endgame, just as they were released. Maybe have a secondary one that says timeline viewing order. You know that because you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people like to watch that way too, where they watch. Captain America, then they watch Captain Marvel, and then they just go through that way. But mm-hmm. uh, it, 
overall, they they did add in the um, uh, the skip intro, skip recap. They added in uh, the uh, when you finish a show, keep watching. You know, the next show starts up because day one that wasn't there. So, uh, also, day one of when I first watched Mandalorian, the subtitles didn't work right. They were like all the way up to the top, and they are halfway cut off. You couldn't read them. Uh, oh shit! You know, I, I read a, I read a bunch of articles too about the the audio not being in sync with mm-hmm. the video, and then the subtitles not being in sync with the audio. Yep, which is also not in sync with the video. You know, mm-hmm. for, at least from my experience, that's that's for the most part been ironed out now. Um, but yeah, I mean, any any major service like that with 10 million day one subscribers is going to have some issues. I sure. think. As far as the improvements that they need to make, most of them are just creature comforts. Yep. Um, and you know things that make sense that you that you would have thought that they would have had on day one, and uh, just adding. I mean, have either of you guys seen the plan as far as when they, like, when they're going or how often they're going to update their catalog? I think it's by a per movie. Thing. Like, you know, like I, and Blaine brought it up where they wanted to watch Christopher Robin, but that doesn't come on until next October due to licensing issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to work. Like, like I was saying that they they should have launched with Toy Story four. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that would have been a, like that came out in October. Most people, I mean, sure, maybe you want to not let it on there because of the holidays. People are going to buy that movie for their kids. But Black Friday DVD versions of that are on sale for three bucks. So right. why not throw it on here? Uh, and all the kids are like, oh, I got, I got the new, the new Toy Story. All right, and that would help, especially a lot of a lot of families that, you know, maybe can't afford to go out and buy the thirty dollar Blu Ray of Toy Story Four, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, whatever. But I don't know. They did say, I want to say a spokesperson did say they're not going to rotate content, even though somebody dove into the code and found some movies have expiration dates. Yeah, I saw that the other day. Yeah, but that it's not really explained. Uh, if they they have said they're not going to rotate content like Netflix, where this is going to be a hub where all their stuff eventually just gets put on there, and and and, and hell that's fine by me, man. Uh, that app has not been turned off almost since it, like the day it came out. Same, same in our house. Hub it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I you know we've pretty much kept it on. I mean, since we got it on Tuesday. I've watched 92 X-Men, New Hope, mm-hmm. Star Wars Rebels, Mandalorian, uh, Empire Strikes Back, fucking uh, Spider-Man. Uh, I watched Pixar in real life. Did you guys start try that out? Huh? Uh, Ruby and I Ruby and I were going to watch it this morning, but I had to run in town and take care of some stuff. How is that? It's literally only five minutes, and it's okay. just like... It's literally like an art installation they put up in the park, episode one anyways. I don't know if episode two has dropped yet. But, like, it's the inside-out console where it changes people's emotions. And they're, mm-hmm. like, actors who can see what colors the people are pushing, and that cues them on how to change their reaction. And they, like, act in front of these people. And so these people are just, like, changing these people's emotions constantly. And it's it's pretty interesting. Because uh, it's just random people are like, oh, what's this? Can I touch it? Am I allowed to look at it? And it's just... Like kind of like a hidden camera show, they never really come up and explain. There's not like a host. It's only five minutes long. It's really it's kind of nice. One thing that I did really really enjoy, um, and I think that Pixar in real life is in that tab or that section, is the the um, the shorts section. Yes, you know 
where, you know, I, I remember as a kid watching like A Bug's Life or Toy Story or, or any of the major Pixar movies, the little shorts that they had at the beginning of the, the show were always, you know, really fun. And, you know, most of the time they didn't have anything to do with the movie, but they were always really cute. And, you know, Ruby and I watched a few of those yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Yesterday, Saturday. And like the the little the piper with the little the little piper bird on the beach, you know, that's really nice. And I hope that they keep adding. You know, obviously we hope they keep adding to the catalog like they said they had. But I hope they keep um, putting forth the effort to make those little shorts because they're cute and fun to watch, and they only take a couple minutes. So guys, I I, I think it's time. I, I really do. I think we should start talk talking about the thing we came to talk about. Do you agree? Bounty bounty hunting is a complicated profession. Yeah. Good good job, Werner Herzog. Nice line. A plus for effort, even though he didn't study about Star Wars whatsoever to do that role. Do you know that? No, I did not know that. He said that he did not watch anything Star Wars and didn't need to in order to understand the uh, role he was taking on. Well, that scene that we're we're inevitably going to talk about, um, it made me, it gave me all the emotions and the symbolism that it, it intended. So he 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 gave a good enough performance that the fucker didn't need to study, I guess. In a way, in a way, maybe it's better that he didn't study because then he might be too bogged down and too like trying to overthink it and like, well, this is what they're going to expect. This is what I need to do. You know, mm-hmm. maybe if he just approaches that as like, no, this is who this character is, and this is what I need to do, and I just happen to be in the Star Wars universe. Right. I think that the uh, Carl Weathers slash Warner Herzog scene that kind of happened in conjunction with each other uh, really set up what this story is about. Like, the first sequence that we get with the Mithral and uh you know mandalorian hunting him down and all that like cool it's just kind of showing you what this guy's routine is uh the meat and potatoes of everything isn't until we get the turn and he turns all the all of those bounties in Mm -hmm. Uh, i want to say real quick uh for anyone listening we are about to get into deep 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 black dark uh depressing spoiler territory so if you don't want to get spoiled um hit pause right now spoiler warning spoiler warning okay we did the song we did the jingle it's time to talk about this shit you guys ready what's up okay so first of all i guess the news got around about the carbonite uh freezing mm-hmm. <laughs> because he's got like a whole rack of carbonite uh bounties hung up like dry cleaned clothes yeah like right there, it is. Like it just, it's one after another. So right by, right by the toilet, so he can look yeah. at him while he's while he's taking a deuce. <laughs> yeah, while he's using the vac tube. Yep, little vac tube action. <laughs> but, but, but the other thing is, like, did you guys notice how deliciously western this show is? This show speaks of like that old um, like spaghetti western. Spaghetti western, yes. Like, like if I had to imagine what. What he looks like underneath the mask. For some reason, it's not Pedro Pascal. Like I know who it is. It's mm-hmm. that. It's that angry, squinting Clint Eastwood underneath yes. that mask. 
you know, sitting there with he he has the mask on and still has the cigarette hanging out. Yep, a, a little like, cigarilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feeling the, lucky. <laughs> the little cigarilla right out of his mouth, you know, mm-hmm. you know, fistful of credits or whatever uh, is what. <laughs> A or, fistful or, uh, of calamari flan. That's yeah, the episode I was, title. You beat me to it. But it's like, you know, that, that opening sequence, you, you hear the um, the drone of the the uh, tracking fob. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh. I mean, it, it's almost, you know, the the Inception theme. Yeah. You know, like, like the sound of that tracking fob is something that we're going to hear in the back of our minds for the rest of this show's, uh, you know, um, continuation, no matter what, at least for me, um, you know, just that, that opening scene of him standing with the tracking fob in his, in his hand. And then it's just this bleak, it almost looks like a mining town. You know, it, it, the theme of this show is 100% Western and I love it. I think that there are some beautiful like callback shots that you could even almost side by side to like the good, the bad, and the ugly and shit. Mm-hmm. That you're just like, oh, he framed that exactly how Eastwood looks. So in your back of your head, you kind of feel like a, an olfactory sense. I think that's why it hits in the in all the right keys. Uh, not just being that it's a it's great Star Wars content, you know. It's uh. And I'm going to ask you guys this because we're going to be talking about like Easter eggs and shit as we go along. I, I mentioned it in the group, but did you guys uh, eventually notice the uh, John Favreau cameo in the Carbonite? Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I didn't see it until Nate um, asked me about it. But my first I, watch, I caught it. I was like, "Oh fuck, that's brilliant!" I immediately went back and watched it right after you messaged me and asked me, and that is one of the most subtle and well-done little Easter eggs that I've ever seen. Um, you know, I mean, because, like, we're in the age of, like, um, Tarantino and Taika Waititi always being in, in in the productions that they direct. And, like, I don't... I mean, Favreau being Favreau, I don't expect to see uh, Favreau bebopping around a sci-fi western ice town. You know what I mean? So when he's when he's looking around at the carbonite, just being uh, terrified of what is about to happen to him, um, you know, he goes to the end of the row, and there's Favreau in the carbonite, and I just lost it because one hundred percent didn't expect it. Perfect. I will say I don't know that anybody has covered that cameo or Easter egg at all. I've like watched several videos and not seen anybody talking about it. So. That might be a hot scoop here on Journey into Comics. I don't know. Don't quote me on that or whatever. Uh, I will say it's interesting that it seems like Carbonite makes people drool. Did you guys notice that as well? Yeah. Like every single person has like a glob of drool coming out of their face when they're frozen in Carbonite. Like, wonder what that sensation is about. Uh, well, it's really, th- it's really nice ahead. too because when you know when he's interacting with the bounty for the first time, he says, "I can take you in warm or cold." And in my mind, I was like, oh, alive or dead, you know, that's that's pretty cut and dry. You're either warm when you're cold or when you're you're warm when you're alive or you're cold when you're dead. But once he gets onto the ship, it's like, oh, now I get it. You know, he's not going to he's not going to kill these bounties unless he has to. Yeah. So, I mean, it says a lot about um, the character of the Mandalorian while being while maintaining the subtlety that they have so far in the show. 
opening up and I, go ahead. Oh, go, opening up for with that cantina scene was like the reminisce of like the gunslinger coming through the double doors, the little swinging doors, mm-hmm. and like in the saloon, and you know, dudes over there in the corner playing playing the little ragtime piano, and everybody mm-hmm. and like like everybody stops and they just look up, and yet another miyoko. <laughs> Yeah, and yet another thing that just like here's this lone gunslinger out there, bounty hunting, and you know, you know, you guys have said the phrase the most Star Wars project, Star Wars felt project probably since the original, mm-hmm. and you know, one one could say that I actually think this has its own feel. The yes, one, the one thing, the one thing that I think ties it to that original movie is that when we when you first watch A New Hope for the first time. And it's going through, and there's so much that you're just asking yourself, like, okay, who is this guy? Who are these droids? Who's the big dude with the helmet? Okay, it, it, it's playing itself out, and you have to watch it through to know who and what and how these people are and what they're doing. And it's the same thing with this. We got two episodes, and we have so many more questions and answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we still have to get to for the rest of the season. And quite literally... Episode two had only two people and Jawas that had any lines whatsoever. Yep. Correct. And so that that that, that is so different compared to like any other show that's out there right now that's give because as a Star Wars geek, episode one, I want I want six hours of lore first episode. Give it to me. I want to know everything. What's going on? What's, you know, what's the, uh, you know, this little fragment of the Empire? What's, what's this over here? What's this over here? I, I want to know five years later, you know, I want to know everything. But it's so much better that I don't know it because it's going to keep me coming back uh, how, each episode to get more. How do you guys feel about the runtime of the episode so far? I'm actually surprised that it's a little shorter than what I was expecting, but I'm not mad at it because I feel like they put a fuck ton into the time that they give us. And and I agree with that. I think it, you know the first episode it being uh, 44 or 40, 49 minutes, whatever the the runtime was. I can't remember. It was in the 40s. Um, I was really happy with that because, you know, it is a little bit slower of a show. Um, you know, that it's a little bit choppy in transition, much like Star Wars is. Um, Nate helped me be a little bit more grounded with that because I'm so, I'm so spoiled with really, really well done productions where from scene to scene in transition things flow really smooth, and that that's not what Star Wars is about. Um, but I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a dad line out there, at least for, for some of the things in the Mandalorian. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. You know, overall, overall with the show, I think it's fantastic. I love it. I can't get enough of it, but you know, like cinematography, I am ultra or hypersensitive to. So some of the camera shots in the in the first episode, you can see the cameraman in in the Mandalorian's helmet, and um, you know that that that's kind of par for the course for for Star Wars. You know, if you think back to the meme of the the sound guy with the boom and the in the pink shorts and no shirt on. Um, yes, but like you know, it's it's 2019. I should have no indication that this is a movie or a TV show whatsoever. You know what I mean? I think that the I was you know what's funny is the first time I watched the show I didn't notice any of that that you just mentioned and I was mm-hmm. going to like 
get up on a soapbox and be like, Tyler, you're crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. But then I watched it like three more times, and mm-hmm. especially when he shows up to the desert planet to yep. start his official mission of securing his last bounty for the first episode. There's a scene when he is looking down on all the people. I think it's right before IG-11 shows up, and you yep. can see, like, fucking Favreau in his helmet. And I was just like, come on, man. Yep. Like, come on, dude. You got to be better about that. But for the most part, I, I think it is still uh, it's still true to that old-school kind of Star Wars-y vibe and the so much practical effects. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I agree. I will say... Before before we dive too much further, I do need to mention that the line that killed me in this episode, first episode, so much, was the bartender in the first scene. He say he's, you spill his drink, like just the, the cadence of him saying that. I died laughing. Just be, mm-hmm. it was so fucking funny to me. I don't know, it got me. Well, I I really I really appreciated that scene for a lot of reasons. One, um, you know, you've got the bartender who is obviously. You know, he's in panic mode because he doesn't want his bar destroyed. He doesn't want to get hurt. He doesn't want bystanders to get hurt. Um, the bullies are there. You know, there's obviously some kind of a, a relationship with those two goons and uh, that location. You know, and he's he's talking to him and he's like, well, shit. Surely this guy can't understand this man. So I'm going to help a brother out because... I can't defuse this situation unless he acknowledges that he spilled this man's drink. <laughs> and just the the tone that he took also really got me, um, just like you, Nate. But I think, you know, the first episode, for sure, the second episode, I think more so, one of the things that really stood out to me was the score. For something for something that is Star Wars to stand apart and, and, and stand alone... Uh, from from anything that John Williams has done, I think is a challenge, and I think this show does it very very well. Okay, I was waiting to see if Brandon was going to jump in. I didn't want to like railroad over anybody, but do you know who does the music actually, or like what he did before this movie? Uh, I looked it up the other day and I forgot. I don't remember his name. Uh, well, I don't know the guy's name per se. I just know what the last major work he did, which was Black Panther. Nice. Yeah, like it actually surprised me. I was like, but then like rewatching it, knowing that knowledge, you can definitely hear that influence of like he used the more tribal vibes when he was uh, figuring out how to score this show for sure. Uh, his name is Ludwig something. Von Beethoven. Lud- Ludwig uh, Gorenson. Okay. Also, the folks, la- if, if the you last- hear it, ex- go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say to excuse my sniffles. I'm I'm just the last little- two things that he did were Black Panther and Creed Two. Ooh, nice! Holy crap! Brian Posehn was in the first episode. Yep, he's the guy driving the uh, land speeder. The land yeah. speeder. Holy crap! Yeah, he I get bet. he get he gets chomped by the space walrus. Yeah, he do. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, also, the blue guy, the Mithral, was Horatio San. Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, 
there were a couple there were a couple interesting cameos uh hidden within that uh did you guys see the salacious crumb character getting uh barbecued yeah and, and the other the, and the other the dude, one like, in the cage yeah he's like oh no i'm gonna get eaten <laughs> um that was awesome there also, was a certain muppet shake to that that just like got me <laughs> What's funny is I think I saw recently someone's like, is it, have you ever wondered whether or not like uh, uh, the, the, Jim Henson ever actually just, you know, said screw it and just use his Kermit the Frog puppet as a hot pad? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no one would ever know. Kermit the Frog here. Unfortunately, <laughs> Jim used Jim used my mouth for a hot to get this pan out of the oven and now I talk like this. Jim, why is my mouth burnt? <laughs> so I looked up the uh the list of directors for 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 this season mm-hmm. and uh Taika Waititi did, directed an episode and so did Bryce Dallas Howard. Yep. That last one's weird. And uh Dave Filoni? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy that did uh, most all of Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. Hell yeah. Filoni, I mean, Filoni is referred to as a Star Wars guru. Yeah. If you if you look him up online, that is one of his titles, Star Wars guru. That's awesome. I think I think the Bryce Dallas Howard, um, you know, you thought that it was a little odd. I think it it is. Um, you know, with her dad turning down the original trilogy or the uh, the prequel trilogy, and then. Um, you know, his trials and tribulations with directing Solo. I think the Howard family have a very deep love for not just George Lucas, but like Star Wars as a whole. So I feel like Bryce Dallas Howard directing an episode was almost an homage to her father. And I really appreciate that. You know, that's me reading between the lines and, and trying to look at the symbolism. But I actually really look forward to the episode that she directed specifically. I mean, I'm, I'm for it. I didn't, I didn't actually think about it like that. So when you kind of frame it like that, it's like, yeah, okay. I'm, it's worth a shot. It's just Bryce Dallas Howard. For some reason, the first thing I think of when I hear her name is Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm. Cause like she was supposed to be like, or she was actually Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man three with Tobey Maguire. Holy fuck way back. Mm-hmm. But, uh, to talk about kind of like the the general, I guess, not really the story per se, but the the plot line that we're going on is the Mandalorian is given a, a very special bounty. Mm-hmm. And it's very secretive. Uh, Carl Weathers is kind of like the dude who runs the guild, and he's like, I can't give you all these bounties, dude. Come on. What are you, crazy? You want all these guys to be pissed off at me? Like, Knock it off. I will say it was interesting because he mentions a wanted smuggler. And I thought Mm -hmm. like, oh, is that another callback to Han? Like Han's still alive. I mean, maybe. Uh, maybe. Or or maybe it's a Dash Rendar reference and we're going to get... And we're going to get some of the more well-known smugglers in the galaxy other than Han Solo. Please, please give me Dash Rendar stories. Uh, That would be awesome because then you wouldn't have to you could get like a that that grizzly smug you know like hans that kind of like you know wily reluctant hero wise ass 
give me that gruff, rough around the edges Dash Rendar story that mm-hmm. you know we can advance like that that scoundrel smuggler type character without having to bring in Han or young Han or older Han or anything like that. You know, that that would just be awesome. Right. Well, and I think, you know, the, the millennium Falcon is such, such a, a, an iconic part of, of star Wars. Uh, let's see, let's see some of the outrider, you know, it is, it, the outrider is the yin or the yang to, to, um, the millennium Falcons yang, um, or the I don't know if I said Yang or Yin the first time. <laughs> my my brain my brain is all Star Wars doubt, but I mean let's you know the the Outrider has had multiple cameos between Star Wars, um, you know it, pretty much any time Mos Eisley the spaceport is featured, you know in multiple things you can see the Outrider either taking off or leaving, or landing through. Um, throughout the series, <clears throat> excuse me, and there, there's no reason at this point, especially now that the Skywalker saga is coming to an end, and, you know, Han is dead at this point, Leia's gone, um, you know, you've got Ray and Chewbacca who have control of the, the Millennium Falcon, we don't know what's going to happen in episode 9, the ship might blow up, we don't know, let's see some of the more iconic material um, from this massive catalog that we have, because there's there's no incentive not to, mm-hmm. you know. Um, man, I I really want to see Dash Rendar. <laughs> I agree. Do you, the Empire, motherfuckers. Do you guys remember? Um, like, it wasn't right around the time of uh, Shadows of the Empire when it was real popular. But do you guys remember the like the live action image of what Dash Randar would look like? No, I've okay, never I, seen that. Okay, uh, let me to the Google I'm, machine. I'm yeah, I've got it pulled up here. I've got it pulled up already. I'm going to put it in our group chat for you guys to look at later. But definitely, definitely check it out because it's it's perfect. Okay, I cannot wait to check it out. Uh. Let's see. Where do we go from here? So we got the the general like bounty that he's gonna go uh, to this location, and they're gonna give him more details. And Werner Herzog's character is like, "Hey, I'll pay you in best car steel, and I have a whole Camtona full of it, so like a giant ass fucking cache of it." It's all yours. It needs to go back to the Mandalorians, essentially. Like, it's your guys's, anyways. Uh, and that's where we actually get the line that you said earlier in the episode, Tyler, where he says he understands that bounty hunting is a... Uh, what is Difficult that? profession. Uh, yeah, difficult profession. And he says that, uh, that he'll, he'll accept the bounty returned dead for half the fee. So, and he says he's being pragmatic. He's like, I'm not, I don't really mean that this, he, I want this person to kill the target, but if you're going to, if you're going to go through some shit and some shit happens, I understand. Mm -hmm. So when he said that, the other guy, the little nerdy looking guy, he was like, wait, that wasn't part of the deal. And he's like, and I don't remember what the, what the original client said, but he's like, quiet you, you know, that dude, that nerdy looking guy, did you see what was on his arm? I did not. It, it mm-hmm. looks like a patch, 
and it looks like the logo for the kimono cloning facility. Oh, oh shit. Shit. Oh, that's a great little hidden thing if that's for real. Did you and guys re- did you guys recognize him from anything else? I no, I, I no, I didn't. I'm pretty sure that he was also the pilot in Rogue One. Hmm, I don't know. I mean, I could kind of see the resemblance, but uh man. So like to just continue with what I said really quick. When you when you have the target, right, which we're going to get to, and they're looking for this target and the dude from a possible cloning facility is looking for this target, why would he want that target? Mhm. Mm. What I will say guys is uh Daenerys Palin. Okay, go 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 for that, man. We're going to uh we'll get a little bit deeper into this. I have spoken. Uh okay. <laughs> I have spoken. Oh. So yes. just to just to clarify real quick, it is not the same guy. It is just a doppelganger of <laughs> <laughs> So so the guy who plays Bodie Rook, the pilot in uh Rogue One is Riz Ahmed. The guy that plays uh the the Camino and uh scientist in Mandalorian is Omid Abtehahi. Maybe he's a clone. I just I just butchered that really bad and I apologize. But they look incredibly similar. Uh and I think that his character was Dr. Pershing, if I'm remembering yes. that correct. Yes. So so Nate, um like I don't know how about you, but like when when the Mandalorian walked in and you see all these disheveled stormtroopers, uh and then you know Warner Herzog's uh voice and his cadence and and the way that he carries himself the only thing that i could think of is Nazi Germany the whole time yes another thing too i thought it was it was kind of interesting at first my like gut inclination was oh my god it's set up he just got led where there's going to be a bunch of fucking stormtroopers that are like in revolt like they're the like they're like kind of like the isis of the of the uh you know the empire, as it were, they're fleeing in little caves, hiding out and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like they're all disheveled and defeated, and they don't know what to do. And I think they're kind of like their their last hope. Ironic, I know, uh, but their last hope is this mission, getting this asset. And if Brando is accurate with the possible, and it makes total sense for there to be a Camino and scientist there with the mission of of, of cloning uh, the target, especially once we figure that out, like it, mm-hmm. it absolutely puts a very 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 specific story together that still doesn't really depart us a hundred percent from like the Skywalker saga in a lot of ways. No, um, I think that. Man, it's tough because, you know, like Brandon said, you know, we want, at least from that pilot episode, we want so much more than we get. And and I feel like the three of us especially appreciate what we did get in that episode. Um, but by the time the episode is done, you know, we already had 700 questions the first 10 minutes of the episode. You get into that, that second half of that, you know, almost hour runtime, and it's like, 
what the fuck, man? Like, because I did not expect it. You know, they did they did probably the best job of the modern era of not letting that out, not allowing that to be spoiled. And, you know, I, I, I don't even know where to go from here as far as diving into the episode because Pedro Pascal's performance is, is obviously fantastic. I really, really liked Carl Weathers. Um, you know, as kind of the guild liaison. And I want to see, as the series progresses, I want to see as much Carl Weathers as we can. Um, you know, because one, at his age, he looks fantastic. Killing and, it. And, and he's obviously, you know, yeah, perfect. He is, he is, he has a subtle role that in, in the beginning, you know, these first couple episodes might not mean anything. Um, but he's killing it. And, you know, I really want to see kind of their relationship flesh out going forward. Um you know, we're obviously going to see or maybe maybe not. Maybe maybe we won't see more Werner Herzog going forward, but um I want to see some Mandalorian stormtrooper confrontations because, you know, one of the best lines of the show was you need to lower your weapons. Uh we've got you outnumbered 4 to 1. I like those odds. I like those odds. You know, that Ugh. is just, mm, it gets me amped up. It, it, it was uh, it was definitely a home run line in that scene. And I'm just looking at it too like, yeah, you guys, you stormtroopers are close, but like, you guys have terrible aim. You'll most likely kill each <laughs> other before you would fucking take out uh, the Mandalorian. He's, he's not wrong with liking the odds, obviously. Well, it- and, and you know, now that we're talking about the stormtroopers, one thing that I really hope that we can see, um, you know, historically as fans, we've made fun of, you know, Star Trek fans make fun of if you have a red shirt on, you're gonna die. You know, uh, we absolutely make, we make fun of how uh, those blast marks are too accurate for uh, sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are that accurate. You know. Um, and they've yeah. literally they've literally hit like two of the heroes ever. ever. So ever, um, I want to see I want to see some more true. Sorry, I got dogs barking. Uh, true to life stormtroopers, and you know because we're not. I mean, the Mandalorian ain't no Jedi. So let's see what happens. Yeah, I think that. Uh Possibly seeing more Werner Herzog. We'll see. Depends on what uh, Pedro Pascal's Mandalorian decides to do, I guess. Uh, with everything that we will discuss here shortly uh, once our counterpart gets back. <clears throat> but uh, just looking at the episode as a whole, I want to. I, I do want to mention that I love all the cameos that we got. We've talked about a lot of different people that have been involved. And I love that... Everybody's just subtly used, but really the focus genuinely has always been and stays on the Mandalorian. Like, scene for scene, shot for shot, you're always with him. You're always seeing what he's doing, what his plan is, what what's going on with his world. Uh, and I love that because, you know, as we get deeper in... Oh, and that's another thing we can mention before we get further on. So he, he accepts the mission... To go to the planet, to go to find this target, mm-hmm. and then he goes to the armory, which is like the Mandalorian secret hideout. 
I really liked uh, the the foreshadowing. You know, as he's walking down the stairs, you're seeing other Mandalorians, which is it's something that you know, as far as like media goes, we've seen a lot in the expanded universe. We've seen a lot in the video games and in actual actually books. Um, but you know, multiple Mandalorians on screen at the same time is not something that we see. You know, realistically often. Um, you know, seeing him walk down the stairs, seeing other Mandalorians acknowledge him, you know, kind of subtly tells a story in itself. Like, is this guy respected? Is he looked down upon? Uh, we don't know. Seeing the Mythosaur skull as like this giant, you know, almost statue to be revered was, was really good imagery uh, as he entered the forge or the armory. Um, and then seeing how each Mandalorian, you know, they're a part of a clan or a tribe, um, you know, a family unit, and seeing them interact with each other and how each Mandalorian's armor is different, you know, that that is props to Jon Favreau and Lucasfilm because they're finally getting some of the shit right because they're not all the same. Yeah, they're not going to look all like identical and wear the exact same armor. Mm-hmm. That's very strange. Um, you know the the uh, the Smith. Uh, you know she her armor reminded me a lot of ancient Greece. You know her helmet looks like the helmet a Spartan would wear, and then yes. she had a, she had a lot of imagery of like like almost North mythology with with her pauldrons and you know, her van braces and stuff on her arms and, you know, with the fur and, you know, she almost looked like a Valkyrie at the same time. It just just incredible imagery. You know, in that forge, all the flame jets all around it, you know. And when the melting of the Biscar steel mm-hmm. and, like, that whole moment was awesome. Uh, also mentioned that when he walks in, we've, we've seen it. We're not 100% sure. I, I It's like... A very much a blink and you'll miss it moment, but it seems we see either Boba Fett or a Mandalorian whose colors are paying tribute to the holiday special Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And, but it's and dark, I, so it's hard to tell. And that hasn't been confirmed. I, I think another theory to, to throw out there that I haven't seen anywhere else is that it's possibly Joda Cast. Because Joda Cast is a like a wannabe bounty hunter that had armor almost identical color to Boba Fett's except where the oranges and the reds were it was yellow and oh. his and his the actual color of his armor was a little bit closer to the holiday special where it was almost like a light blue um, you know I'm not saying that that is him but a good cameo from a character that is not really well known going forward would be plopping Joe to cast in there somewhere as, you know, a possible antagonist. I love that. I think it's great. Brando, are you back? Okay, Brando's still not back. How did He's... you how did you feel about some of the um not necessarily like the 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 Henson type um you know practical special effects, the props and stuff I thought were fantastic. One of I the, love it. It's true to Star Wars, bro. Yep. One of the small gripes that I had, though, is that, like, the Trandoshan specifically, and for people who don't know what a Trandoshan is when I'm talking about it, it would be, think Bosk, 
the bounty hunter from Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. The giant, the giant lizard man with the yellow flight suit from uh, Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I think that he, the, the the species, the Trandoshans that have been in the show so far, episode one, episode two. I think they look a little off, um, but not but not bad. I'm not I'm not saying that they just look, they look noticeably different than Bosk does. So, um, interesting design choice there. I uh, I will say that I love the like I said the practical effects do it for me because it brings home the old school Star Wars feel. It's not all that digital jargon that is kind of polluted Star Wars. Uh, really, in the past, you know, twenty years ever since the uh, the the re release specials, mm-hmm. you know, the remastered specials or whatever. When I think uh, we need, I think we need to remind people that, you know, as far as modern cinema, all of the CGI and special effects that we have, you know, are are one hundred percent because of the practical effects that Lucas and his production team had in the original trilogy. We would have none of what we have now if it was not for that group of people. So, hats off to Disney. Hats off to Lucasfilm again for. It's 2019, and they're still doing practical effects better than most people do, um, you know, computer-generated effects. So, you know, golf clap for them, for sure, because it's incredible. Yeah, man, they're definitely killing it uh, on on that front. It's also interesting because the one of the companies, I can't remember, I, know, I think it's like ILM or something, uh you know, was the practical effects company for Lucas Studios, mm-hmm. and now everybody uses them for all the digital effects. Like, I can't remember what that company is named. I know but the one ev- you're talking about. It's escape. It's escaping me too because yeah, everybody I ha- goes. There I have for a hard on. Shit, I have a hard on for for practical effects. So yeah, and I love that when you. I think that it gives the world a more texturally. I don't know how to word this. It can draw you in and make you feel like this planet can actually exist when you can look at something and your eye mm-hmm. goes, oh, that was built. That's not someone just put in a computer code and made this parameter and said this is what it's supposed to look like. I can exactly. tell that's a little fucking hut. That's cool. Yeah, it's almost more like your eye sees it, acknowledges that it's not real, and then doesn't care because it looks it looks like something that could really exist. Where a lot of the times with, with CGI and special effects, your eye and your brain are looking at it, trying to... Try, because some of the CGI is so well done, it looks so realistic. You're, you're spending more time trying to discern what is CGI from practical effects that you lose some of the um you know some of the some of the uh shit what's the word i'm looking for Mm. you know what i'm trying to say uh you lose some of the authenticity it loses some of the splendor because you're spending you're spending more time trying to figure out what's real versus acknowledging that the shit just looks good bam nailed it we uh we met a new character who I'm not gonna even pretend I know his name. I want to say it's like Cool 
but it's like K-U-I-L-L, but I don't know how to say that. K-U-I-L-L, cool. His, he's, he's, never, uh, he's never referred to by name in the show. I think we only know that because of uh, Nick Nolte's IMDb. But he is voiced and um, represented by Nick Nolte, who, you know, say whatever you want about Nick Nolte. He's a crazy fucking bastard. But what a performance, man. Oh, it was that was an awesome scene with the Blurg. Mm-hmm. And they go to attack the Mandalorian. He gets the he, shit beat out of him. Well, he kind of is fighting the one-off for a minute, and then he gets his arm bit, and then he's getting drug around like a fucking ragdoll. And then before he knows it, both of them are down. What? And there's a dude there. Riding a Blurg. Riding a Blurg. He says, you are a bounty hunter. I will help you. <laughs> I've spoken. I just, I, lo- I love the the cadence of that character's uh, mannerisms, the way he talks and carries himself. It's kind of like this uh, creature with utmost honor. Eh. Who is really willing to, I don't know how to say this right, but like, he's willing to help other people if he sees their intentions are true. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, I, I, he helped other bounty hunters, uh, but I don't think that until he met the Mandalorian, he realized it was possible for uh, the mission to be completed. Well, it's really nice to see, too, because his, like, the Mandalorian um, race kind of demands like not necessarily like they demand respect but who they are warrants respect like you acknowledge that if you're in the presence of a mandalorian you know they are someone to be respected and not someone to be trifled with because they they are not just willy-nilly causing chaos they are you know they're almost like samurai I, i you know that's one of the biggest influences for the Mandalorian armor, you know, blah blah blah. It's like it, it's the perfect, it's the perfect uh, union of like, um, you know, Japanese samurai and uh, Greek Spartans, because like they're disciplined and they they care about honor and respect and you know doing your 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 tribe. Uh, proud and 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 you know not to dishonor your 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 family group and all that. So like he acknowledges who this person is immediately. Um, and I I want to say looking at how his name is spelled, I'm gonna say the pronunciation. My best guess is Quill. Okay. Ah, uh, that makes so much fucking sense, Quill. Because it's K-U-I-I-L. So I'm going to say, you know, just my best guess at uh, at linguistics here, it's Quill. It's got to be. Otherwise, you know, get me off this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brando's back. Hot damn. Tell a friend. Brando's back. Tell a friend. One, one thing, before J- Brando jumps in here real quick, one thing that I really, really appreciated too was seeing some of the 
the lesser known like flora and fauna that that you see like in the, in the entire Star Wars universe like the blurg if you think back to um you know the the not very well known like the Ewoks movies the blurg are featured in that you know not yes. very heavily but you see them um that's another thing that I was upset wasn't on Disney plus but um yeah like like his whole relationship with the blurg is really nice to see because I mean it's su- it's such an odd it's such an odd critter you know it's got long arms like short squat legs and then its entire body is it's like abdomen its head and its tail but it's all one piece you know they're ugly as hell yeah <laughs> I mean they look like giant walking tadpoles yes with teeth yeah what I loved is that they so clearly early on tried to establish, man, this guy's a badass. This Mandalorian's a badass. Mm-hmm. And the next time you see him in action, he gets like damn near taken out by these walking tadpoles. You're like, oh, okay. He just gets you the know, fuck beat out of him, man. Maybe, you know, maybe he's not so, but <laughs> it kind of humanizes him But it's him a, a really good bit. scene, it, too, it because it shows like, you know, you have the whole scene with the Beskar and, and form, forging the pauldron and... You know, Nate and I, you know, we talked about that a minute ago, but we did not bring up that he doesn't have his um, his signet yet. So that's a little bit of foreshadowing. You know, maybe we'll get at the, towards the tail end of this season. Maybe not. Um, but while the while the Blurg are just, you know, gangbanging him, you know, his shit is getting fucking broke up. In a hurry. Mm-hmm. Do we lose Brando? Brando, you here? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, where did Brando go? It says he's still in the chat. Weird. I wonder if he's got connection issues. Possibly. Anyways, so yep, until it we... Said he, it said he disconnected. I'll try and call him. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll keep riffing here. So, mm-hmm. you know... One thing that's interesting is that the Mandalorian keeps trying to offer stuff to Quill. Like, hey, you can have half of whatever I earn on this. He's like, I don't need it. I don't want it. I'll just take half of the bounty. Or I'll take half of the the Blurg. And he's like, half? You can have both. He's like, I don't need both. And you're going to need a Blurg mount to get to your quarry. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to, you're it's, it's tight passage. You're going to have to do it in a certain way. And uh, I love that, you know, he's trying to r- learn how to ride the the Blurg. And he, uh, we, j- I just heard from Brando. He says he cannot hear us. Okay. Oh. It says, it says he's connected now again. Brandon, can you hear us? Yeah, I think my internet might have dropped down because when I try to send the message, it said uh, no internet. So yeah, it disconnected you from the call, and then I added you back once we realized you were gone. Okay. Um, yeah, like after I spoke about him being humanized, um, that's the last thing I, I didn't hear anything from any, from anybody else. Okay. All all we heard was you say getting gang banged by a tadpole, and then it cut. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, are you still recording? I was. I could stop. Nope. Well, nope. I just just keep going. 
I was going to say, let's just keep it. Yeah, let's keep it real, folks. We lost Brando. We got Brando back. He's back again. <laughs> Brand- Brando <laughs> strikes back. Oh, Brando strikes back. Brando like strikes that. back. Now, I will say that for some reason, man, the last few times I've recorded, even doing like the OG stuff, they like my Samson, and I'm not sure if it's because I'm using the Samson for both Messenger and Audacity, uh, it keeps spiking as far as like level of how much it's picking up. So like there are times where I'm recording and the wavelengths look like I'm whispering. And right now they're looking like they're looking like I'm shouting. Oh so, god. Well, as always, I'm going to doctor it and do what I can before I send the file over to you Nate. But but just be aware, uh hopefully hopefully it's I'll get it to where it sounds pretty kosher across the board. But, you sound you sound good on my end through headphones. So Well, and like hopefully over the call it does, but it just when uh, within the communication with Audacity, with how we record, uh, it kind of likes to, I don't know, like, I'll sit here and I'm like, okay, I need to move closer. And all of a sudden it'll just be like, okay, I'm way too close. And now it's picking up way more. And then it's like, it's like, I'm just like swallowing the microphone for some reason. And it just, it peaks like a crazy son of a bitch. And I have no idea why it does it. Um, I've been having issues, of course, uh, if you've listened to anything uh, uh, with our, um, with our mics and everything with our uh, interfaces making us all primed. And I'm like, I've decided I'm done with that. I'm not priming anymore. I, I screw it. When I'm recording at home, I'm using the Samson if I can. Yeah. I mean, the only other thing to do would do. be to just, I mean, I personally like setting up a separate thing that I'm recording into. That's not a computer. Cause I think computers are where all the error is lying. Uh, but that's, not for today's podcast. We'll we'll move on from that. Uh, Brando, what do you think about Quill? As we're learning, we think his name is, and his uh, he has spoken. Well, I love how they just make him look like like he's one of the scrap dudes on uh, on Bespin. Mm-hmm. Like, he is, like yeah. he's one of their race. But but they the, so he's instantly recognizable as that. But inst- but somehow it, within the frame look of that character, they've still managed to include Nick Nolte. Uh, like, he still looks like Nick Nolte to me. <laughs> How did you do that, making his Nick Nolte look an ass? But it's so cool to bring in an actor of, like, you know, of the level of Nick Nolte to play this alien dude. You know, it's not like Carl Weathers. It's, okay, that's Carl Weathers, you know? He, he instantly recognizable. But they're bringing in this guy who has, like, uh, this great long list of films and this guy's a well-accomplished actor. It's like, it'd be, it's going to be cool if they can get some other like well, big actors to come in and play some roles in these star Wars series going down, like going down the line. I think, um, just, to, just to speak on Quill's race, I'm pretty sure that the species is called Ugnots. Yes, it is and an I- Ugnot. I pulled it up here on the the good old Wikipedia. Ugnots. Ugnots are a species of diminutive humanoids who divide themselves into a tribal hierarchy. They have pink skin, white hair, upturned noses, and thick layers of jowls. They found work (laughs) across the galaxy anywhere from the Jedi Temple and Coruscant to Cloud City and Lothal. Definitely an Ugnot. Yeah, the... The, the name of their race is just about as attractive as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they look like pig people. <laughs> they are quite. The, but but it's funny because they're a little bit more human pig people than the other pig people. 
mm-hmm. um, that are in, like in Jabba's palace. The Gamorrean guards. The Gamorreans, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I really like Quill as a character. Um, you know, seeing seeing him interact with with the Mandalorian the way that he did so soon. Um, you know, that's not something that I expected in the least, especially, um, seeing him again in the second episode and, and their interaction that way. Um, you know, how did you feel about the, the, you know, Nate and I were talking about the, where the Mandalorian is trying to tame his Blurg mount and, you know, Quill straight gives him like the dad pep talk, like, your ancestors used to ride mythosars, you bitch. Like, get, <laughs> get, get back up on the horse, so to speak, because you know you can do it. Um, I thought that was really powerful. And that was, you know, other than the major reveal in the episode and that final scene, uh, that was probably my favorite scene from, from the first episode. Well, I loved it because it harkens back in a way to the to the Western theme, getting the old cowboy to learn how to ride his horse, mm-hmm. breaking him in, you know. Get you know getting bucked off, but to the same token, it, it it gives him that little pep talk that he needs to go forward uh, with somebody who's educated, uh, so to speak, on who the Mandalorians are, mm-hmm. and and because of that, uh, it, they found a way to insert uh, lore into the show in a way that's not demeaning, like or or at least demeaning to the audience, because. You have to think that diehard Star Wars fans, diehards, are going to know who and what the Mandalorians are. Mm-hmm. Common, you know, common folk, if you will, the, <laughs> like the people who are just like tuning in, like, oh, what's this? The dredge uh, of the galaxy. <laughs> they are, you know, they're not going to be as, as as up to speed as to what Mandalorians are and what their history is. So, to you know, in a way, it, it, it's 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 a different way to put in that. Uh, that you know that education. Whereas, like, instead of making the Mandalorian uh, like Keanu Reeves in Matrix One, where he's just like, I don't know a damn thing what's going on, and you, the audience, are with him in that. You, mm-hmm. you learn as he learns. Instead, um, they're just bringing it up as, uh, in exposition. It's like you're a Mandalorian. You're like, come on, man. Uh, you, you guys used to ride, you know, like. Like you, you guys were barbarians almost. Like, like at one point, you know, like invading and conquering other planets. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and it's just uh, I like that because it's going to sprinkle in just a little bit more uh, like real lore into the story without without, without mansplaining. Yeah, without being too like, well, as you know, Mandalorians used to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's you know because that's because that's bad exposition, and by by including it within a little bit of a pep talk, it 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 kind of disguises that just a little bit. Absolutely, very well said. I uh, I also really enjoy one thing specifically about this scene is that uh, when they're riding the Blurg to where essentially he's going to go into this gunfight. Uh, the music cue. Oh man, is fucking glorious! Like it hit me. I was like, oh! And they actually use that cue, I think, in episode two as well, in a different mm-hmm. spot, and it's still just like, oh yeah. So I've read a couple rumors, specifically about the first episode, 
and the Mandalorian's interaction with his with the Blurg as he's you know before he mounts it you know with the whole him putting his hand out him taming it blah 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 I mean there's a lot of speculation online that he's mildly force sensitive um you know that's obviously like super super off the wall and and not common for his race mm-hmm. um if you want to go super star wars nerd with it um i mean how what do you guys feel about that rumor hmm. or do you or, or do you feel like it's more like the mandalorians have an innate an innate an innate uh connection with 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 creatures and well well i mean as far as the force goes i would be uh, i would rather it not me too Um, however the the force is a tricky thing whereas you can have like a jedi or or like or sith or just anybody can learn how to harness it and all of a sudden their force pushing choking jumping freezing all this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but the force can also work throughout different ways and make you uh a better warrior, uh, not just in like all of a sudden, like you know, uh, it, if you're force sensitive, maybe you maybe you move a little faster, maybe you're a little bit more precise, maybe you're a little bit, maybe you hit a little harder. Uh, that that could make you know that would make a little bit of a sense that the Mandalorian race could. That's how they harness it. Maybe I dig it. I like it. You know, uh, if if that was going to be if this if this guy's force sensitive, I would rather it be the case for all of them. And in a sense, and that's how their race responds to the force. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas like other people are lesser uh, or other races are more, you know, as we're uh, obviously going to find out as we dive in a little bit more here. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, I, you know what? Every single movie uh, story game. Yeah. Like, yeah, there is an innate fascination with the force. I get it. There's a fascination with lightsabers and in fighting um, I kind of don't want to dive in and have a main character that's all about that life. Me too. Uh, so I would, yeah, what I said before, just I would rather it be just that's how they interact with it. The one big thing that I have on my wish list while we're talking about Jedi and lightsabers and stuff like that, I want to see the Mandalorian fight somebody with a lightsaber. Like, not him specifically use a lightsaber, but I want to see him fight oh, yeah. someone wielding a lightsaber because that's what they're good at. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, we just because, you know, we got to remember the core movies, the core nine or whatever, mm-hmm. they show us certain points in time and certain events at a certain part of the story. Right. Uh, that they're not showing us every little bit. They're not like, oh, just because it focuses on Luke me, and Obi-Wan and Yoda, like they're the last Jedi. No, they're not. There's others sprinkled out there that are loner Jedis right. or, or, or Force users, whatever, that have lightsabers. And it, it, we're just not focusing on them because this is the story that that, that is important. That's the Skywalker saga, right? Mm, right. Um, so... Like you know, with you know, with the new game that just came out this week with the Fallen Order, there's a dude, a kid that survived Order sixty six, and he's running around doing force shit with the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And there's who's to say that five years after Return of the Jedi, there aren't still dudes out there running around doing that kind of stuff. And they're but they're they're doing their own thing. They don't give two craps about what's going on with the Empire, the Rebellion, the New Republic. They're just out looking for themselves. Mm-hmm. Nate, I've got to step away for just a minute, so jump in. 
Jump in now. Do it. Oh, wow. That was interesting <laughs> timing. I was about to uh, mention how I needed to take a Daenerys pail in myself due to a, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> a nearly self-destructive bladder, but I'll hold it. It's just, fine. Just just one second. got to make sure my house doesn't burn down. Yeah, don't go. burn your house to the ground, bro. That's not we don't. That's not how you want to do it, man. No, absolutely uh, not. You know, I actually need to go check on my temp here in a few minutes. I am, I, I guys, the reason why I didn't air Palin earlier is I am grilling out. You know, Nate, it, it, it kind of dawned on me. Do you remember the old, uh, we did this, uh, where like Home Tech Studios back when we had the band days and we were like, bring your laundry, record something, you know, record an album. Hell um, yeah. You know, in, in, in these days, I think it's like record a podcast and uh, grill some food outside at the same time. That's what I do because I have my man cave back here where I can access my grill and I'm smoking a pork loin for dinner tonight. Sounds delicious, bro. Oh, dude, man. Um, I, I, I'm i using this kind of like pre-bought rub. It, it, it's like a Weber KC barbecue rub uh, instead of using my own concoction this time cause just because it's what I had on hand. And the reason why I'm doing that is because the other one uh, has it's, it's a little bit like the stuff I use for pulled pork. It's a little bit like uh, chillier, uh, more cumin. This is just more barbecue, but I mix some of that barbecue rub up with some apple juice and I injected it all the way down. Oh, that sounds amazing. And so this thing is going to smoke on the grill for a couple hours and then uh, we're going to slice it up into like, you know, pork chop size you know, slices. Eat that with some uh, with some homemade scalloped potatoes. God damn! I know, man. Uh, I know there's a little food, like a little food break in here, but like, like, man, I tell you what, uh, your cooking has become a big pastime of mine over the last few years. Uh, I, I love trying out new recipes, and uh, you know, just man, you're on this world for one chance, and you better like if you're sitting there eating eating bologna sandwiches, and that's what you like more, you know, have that at Hoss, but. If you have the opportunity to grow your palate and try new foods and do learn it. how to cook these foods for yourself, do it. Because, man, there is nothing like, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. And the last time I made uh, that, I you know, for, you know, for me and our family here, you know, there's only three of us that are going to be eating the turkey. I don't need to buy a huge turkey. So I just buy the turkey breast. Uh, thigh meat's great. I love it. But uh, I don't need all that meat. So turkey breast, a little bit smaller, gets done quicker. But last time, not only did I brine it with my uh, with my brine recipe, but I took, um, you know, I use a Weber Cajun Nolens season for the oh. for the outside, and I rub it on the on the, on, the, on the meat underneath the skin. And guys, I took um, I took some of that Nolens seasoning, put it in a, put it in a bowl, and chopped up like a stick of butter, put that in the microwave, and melted the butter. And I injected that into the turkey breast. And, uh, you know, that hot butter getting into that cold turkey breast, you know, made it instantly kind of congeal a little bit. And then when you cook it, it melts back into the meat. And that was the juiciest turkey meat I've ever had in my life. Well, now when Tyler gets back, I'm definitely going to have to change my drawers. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Well, oh, I, dude. I left at Star Wars and came back to turkey and... Nate having to change his pants. So, <laughs> what the hell happened? <laughs> we just tangented really hardcore, just like the old days. Um, like I was explaining to everybody that I'm gonna have to go and check because I'm the reason why I didn't air Payland earlier is because I'm cooking uh, and I'm and I'm uh, smoking a pork loin right now, and was just talking about how like man, you, 
for people who don't want to or are too intimidated to learn how to cook or smoke or grill, dude, there's nothing to worry about. The worst thing that you can do is fuck it up. And then, just like uh, old Edison, you know, he's like, I learned how to not make a light bulb. Now you learn how to not do it. Right. You have We have YouTube where people post videos, instructional, you watch them. Not only will you get hungry, but you'll learn and you'll know how to do it. And if you, maybe if you, okay, you get your grill too hot and you get it done. It's a little too dry. Guess what? Okay. Now, you know, next time, guess what? I'll try to turn it down a little bit. Try to control the heat. Uh, learn how to use your stuff, man. It's not hard. And you're going to, and, and your, in your stomach, your family, your friends are going to thank you for it. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Amen. All right. Nick. Well, I'm going to let you guys jump into the gun battle and you can start yeah. riffing on that and stuff. I'm going to go, uh, allow my bladder to uh, initiate self-destruct sequencing, and I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Ty, so uh, go ahead. T- you go ahead, buddy. Take her. Well, you started to say something right when I said go ahead. Oh, well, by all means, I will go ahead. Dude, okay, <laughs> so coming into this last part of this scene, you know, I, hammering it back home with the Western. Mm-hmm. We have... We have the cantina scene. We have the we have the the big wide open shots riding the horse, you know, or the walking tadpole, you know. <laughs> okay. Tadpole with teeth. <laughs> anyway, but now we're at the shootout, and like there, this whole episode is just screams to me western, and mm-hmm. I love it because while yes, it does, it, it it's almost pure, and it's like going back to original Star Wars. It is something so desperately different that we need for something with the name Star Wars on it. When it I, gives it gives you something a flavor that you didn't know you wanted. And I think that it might give you a flavor that we find out is actually better. Yeah, maybe so, you know. I mean, I you know, maybe is this better than the movies? It's kind of hard to do that because it says Star Wars on it. It's in the Star Wars universe, but at the same token, like the movies are more like uh, Flash Gordon adventure, you know, roles, mm-hmm. and you know, not so much a spaghetti western. And that's fine. Leave the movies alone. Let them be that because this can coexist. Movies like this, I, I want the Obi Wan thing to have its have its own feel. Make it like fucking Highlander. There can only be fucking one old man on Tatooine. Yes. You know. Oh my god. One thing that I really appreciate while we're while we're talking about the tone of the show is, you know, there was a show that came out. I think in 2006, maybe sooner, maybe later. I can't remember the exact release, um, but a show called Firefly. Yeah, which was an interesting take on the western and the sci-fi genre smashed together and just made to exist. And that show had critical acclaim as far as fans go. It got canceled after one season. This is the pure and like it, it's hard it's hard to articulate, but this is what fans of that show wanted. We wanted Star Wars in space. Mm-hmm. And now now we've or I'm not sorry, I'm sorry. Not Star Wars in space, Western in space. <laughs> I did it was funny. I automatically like autocorrected what you were saying. I knew exactly what you were going yep. for. So I heard it and I just went, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so now that we've got a Western in space and fans love it, let's keep this trend going because a fantastic show, uh, you know, I use the phrase in a bygone era because it's it's near and dear to Star Wars. Um, 
I mean, it makes sense and it, and it flows and, and, it, and it every, you know, nothing that one of the things that I thought would be really tough at watching the first, you know, the first maybe 10, 15 minutes of the episode, I thought that later on, just, you know, just riffing later on in the, ep- in the season, that forcing that Western in space would be a little bit more difficult. But everything that I've seen through the entirety of episode one and episode two, they're not forcing anything. It's just naturally occurring. And, you know, maybe it's hard to say that anything is more Western between the cantina scene, you know, getting back up on the horse and and, and doing that, and the gunfight, man. Like... I've watched a million westerns in my life because it's one of my favorite genres of entertainment, and you've got the lone the lone uh, bounty hunter walking into a town full of outlaws, and you know you get two outlaw or two bounty hunters teaming up, and you know there's they always bring out a Gatlin gun, you know we get a little bit of that. So, God, what I mean, what a beautiful sequence. Uh, the gunfight is. I had a stroke there for a second. No, man, I agree. It uh, it was pure action, and it was awesome. I love IG Eleven, mm-hmm. and uh, the interaction between between him and the Mandalorian were just awesome. Just uh, just as before, you know, said as hinted at before, at every single inconvenience, it was like prepare for self destruction. <laughs> I'm blowing myself up. Stop! <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> we'll shoot our way out. You know the 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 banter was perfect. The you know his reaction. Oh shit! A, a bounty droid. You know when he's up on the ridge. You know just just that scene in itself when he's up on the ridge and he's scoping out the encampment. You know. How many times did you or, or Nate and or, or I do that in Red Dead Redemption 2? Like, you ride your horse up on the ridge, and you're like, okay, this is the encampment. We got guards over here, guards over there. I'm going to have to come in the side or the back. I can't just walk right in the front. And then, what do you know, some random fucking dude just walks right in the middle of it. And then, it, it, it you know, no, no battle plan uh, survives engagement. And here we go. I got to go right in with this fucking droid, which walks in, says, hey, give me the thing I'm after. And they just start shooting at him and he just handles himself. He's doing good for a minute. Like I like as a kid, I always wanted to see IG-88 like not just, you know, as a cameo appearance, basically in Empire Strikes Back or the little bits and pieces that he was in, like Shadows of the Empire and a lot of the books and stuff like that. Seeing like IG-88 and Four Lom droids that are bounty hunters, I wanted to see that. Now we got it, and it's fantastic. You are a guild member? After he fucking shoots the shit out of him? <laughs> I thought I was the only one on assignment. Yeah, that makes two of us. I lo- I just love that whole the whole thing. And then of course they they handle their business in the gunfight. And there's a turning point where you know the Mandalorian's like cover me. We're going to shoot our way out. And he gets a hold of the fucking Gatling gun and takes control. 
and I loved that moment too. I thought there was some really cool camera work, like the almost like the mounted onto the Gatlin gun side shot with the Mandalorian as he's taking out all the the different people that are guarding mm-hmm. this uh, this asset. Uh, but I mean, the internet kind of already broke over the asset. It's not. I mean, it is kind of a surprise, but I don't really think it is a surprise. It's been everywhere. It's like one of the most talked about things since Tuesday. It's baby Yoda, bro. But it's not Yoda. It's a Yoda type. This is, and my my theory is this. Okay, so we had the Council of the Jedi. Yoda and Yaddle were both a part of the Council of the Jedi. This is a long time ago, by the way, about 50 years, just so you know. They're both members of the Council. But Yaddle stops being a member of the Council after we see her in Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. Because she had a fucking love child with Yoda, and they obviously aren't cool with that, so she had to go into hiding. And that is this baby, I guarantee it. I also read another theory that this this, uh, Yoda baby, the asset, is a direct force response to Anakin like when Anakin turns to the dark side um, like when he first starts to turn to the dark side the force rather than course correcting him course corrects and creates this little critter who is incredibly cute by the way um, like Skylar how cute would you say baby Yoda is My wife wants to adopt baby baby Yoda and nurture him and let him grow and learn in our house, which is kind of creepy. Um, Cause could you imagine like Brandon, you know Nate, you've got Ollie. Like I'm sure that you guys have woken up in the middle of the night and your kid be standing there like staring into your eyes. Creepy. Like imagine that little fucking thing staring into your soul. <laughs> Skylar I mean, said, "Oh, he's so cute. I wouldn't mind." <laughs> <laughs> Well, just imagine if this show had, you know, if Disney Plus had come out like in uh, September or early October, mm-hmm. how many families would be getting Baby Yoda outfits for Halloween? You oh, know, yeah. My baby was just born in the middle of October. And the moment that she said it, she goes, oh, We could have went as Baby Yoda. You could have been the Mandalorian. And I'm <laughs> like, Then w- would you have been Quill? She's like, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, I mean, she goes, that, wow. And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know who else you would be. I mean, at, le- at least you didn't say she would have been a blurg. <laughs> <laughs> what are you supposed to be? A tadpole with teeth. <laughs> oh, shit, man. But no, like, you know, the the... He's he's bebopping around with with the tracking fob, and it's like, okay, you know what the hell? What the hell? Where is this guy? You know, they're supposed to be they're supposed to be something fifty years old, and you know it's getting stronger and stronger, and, and he lands on the little like the little egg crate, and he opens it up, and it's fucking it's a baby Yoda. Took me one hundred percent by surprise. Had no like. Not one fiber of my being was like, yep, they're going to do a Baby Yoda. It, it, it can't be anything else. Unexpected. Totally. Like, absolutely love, blew my mind. What I love about it, guys, is that the instant they show it off, you're like, whoa. And the droid's like, destroy. <laughs> like, no, wait. We're going to destroy. 
Which clearly and, means that he's on a different mission from the Mandalorian. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But what I uh, they did such a cool job with the cinematography of the shot, and you're like, oh no, they killed it. No, he didn't. You know, you know, Mando fucking took out the IG droids. Like no one's killing this baby on my watch, which I love because uh, here's the thing. You know, Mandalorians. While you know, while as Tyler said, you know, honorable and all this stuff. You know, he's a bounty hunter. Uh, they for for the examples that we've seen, they probably really don't. You know, they haven't really been too compassionate. But here's we're getting to see this this Mandalorian. He's got some sort of uh, you know moral balance here. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, uh, and, and 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 what's he doing? He you know, he he's gonna he's gonna uh, you know rationalize it in his head. Well, I'm supposed to bring her back alive, but then it's like. What's the story going to be? Is like, is he going to take it back, and then is he going to find out what they're going to do? And then, of course, it's like, well, well, no, you can't do that with that baby. You know, is it going to be that or because it's like, it's obvious this dude is not a bad dude. He's mm-hmm. just doing a job. Well, and, and, and the, the 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 Mandalorians, like historically, and I, I don't know what is and what isn't Star Wars canon at this point. I just know that, or know at least what my my little Star Wars nerd brain knows is like. They are notorious for adopting uh, orphan children and accepting mm-hmm. them, accepting them into their clans and their tribes and raising them as their own. So, like, he he talks a little bit more about like his race's religion in the second episode, which it comes off as a joke, but it's realistic, you know. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I would imagine just playing out in his head everything that you just said, but like. In his mind, it's ingrained that this is a child. It has no parents. It's my responsibility to take care of it. Yeah. You know? Protector. And and that iconic scene of him reaching his finger out and the little little Yoda reaching its finger up. Like, if that doesn't pull on your heartstrings as a parent, man, I don't know what what would. Um, But, you know, keeping that Western theme, this this is true grit all day. I mean, whether it's John Wayne or Jeff Bridges, it doesn't matter. This is a grizzled, like, gunfighting old dude who's not necessarily old, but, you know, little baby Yoda's like like baby sister from True Grit, you know? Yep, protector. You have to protect it. it. It's, it's, I mean, fuck, <sighs> man, this show is good. Crazy thing is, is that we got left with that, like, cliffhanger on Tuesday, and it was just like, huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but luckily, Disney loves us a lot, and instead of just being like, nah, you're not going to get a regular episode on Friday this week, they were like, yes, we're also going to give you episode two only a couple days from now, so you really can sink your teeth deeper in. Super smart on on their part, and I didn't mean to make that rhyme. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, they launched it on a Tuesday, and all the shows are going to, new shows are going to possibly come out like on Fridays, or at least this one is. So I'm really glad that they did it that way. Uh, even more so because, like, you know, it's going to be released every week. We're not going to be able to binge this as much as we would probably all want to. But in a way, I like it because it allows us to watch it multiple times and digest it and really take it in. You know, um, you know, yes, it is awesome sitting, you know, getting to sit there and binge watch every episode of Stranger Things and be the first one to get done. And you're like, oh my god, that was awesome. But then again, you know. You know, well, you flash back to just like this past year or year, years past where we had Game of Thrones and each 
week we had a new episode to digest, and in each one we're like, oh man, what's going to happen next week? And it was the anticipation, and and that anticipation is is partially what is awesome as a nerd but it's also going you tell other people about it and they get interested and maybe you get them to subscribe and more and more people will watch as the weeks go on mm-hmm. the amp- anticipation and the wait is totally worth it you know oh yeah man absolutely i also love how there's payoff to this we're yeah. gonna get we're gonna get these episodes there's like what six or seven episodes for season one chapters or whatever and the final chapter is like what the week before no, episode no, no, no. nine no, 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 the day before. The day before? Wednesday? It, yes, it, the ma- the last episode of The Mandalorian debuts the night before episode nine, premiere night. Mm, that's a negatory right there, uh, Ghost Rider. That is chapter seven. Chapter eight will be on the 27th. Oh, uh, shit. So it's the week after. Mm. And the the uh, the season finale is directed by, by uh, Taki Watiti. Oh, I love oh, that. See, see, I thought episode seven was the last episode. I didn't realize there was an episode eight. There, there are eight. And also season two has already been, it, it, they are currently shooting it right now. Mm. Um, Favreau did share a, a, a photo from the set. It's just a picture of the helmet. And it was he, how he's so excited that everybody is just, you know, loving the series and how he can't wait to, you know, bring more. And, uh, I mean that's just like they they greenlit a season two before it even aired. You know, it's like uh, the only the only other show right now that did that is The Witcher, and that's not even out yet. And it's mm-hmm. like awesome. I, I'm 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 hungry for that show as well. But um, that to to know that we're gonna have a week left of Mandalorian as The Witcher comes out, I'm gonna be like like on on over nerd overload. Plus we got Witcher episode nine, Mandalorian, um, new podcast for the network. Yes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so just to run through the release schedule while we're talking about it, for anyone that has not seen any of this uh, art or any of these articles online, episode one and two have obviously already dropped. Episode three comes out this Friday, uh, or this upcoming Friday, the 22nd. Episode four, the 29th. Then the 6th, the 13th, the 18th, which is a Wednesday, so the night before episode nine's premiere. And then episode eight, as Brandon said, debuts Friday, December the 27th. So, like Brandon said, with The Witcher and then episode nine and everything that we're getting, we're getting a nice little Christmas present uh, for, for nerd kind um, this year, which is which is really nice. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot of rumors about episode nine as well that we could get into after we're done talking about episode two. Um, I've heard some really interesting things. Supposedly, it's a very dark-toned movie. A certain uh, uh, George Lucas is involved, apparently, and we- is and is helping shape the tone of Acts two and three. Nate and I talked about that last week. We actually did, yeah. Discussing yeah. how he might have gotten his hands involved after some test screenings uh, proved to be less than uh, ample for what Disney well, wants. Well, apparently there's like uh, three endings that they've shot. Whoa. Um, hold on one second. My cat just like broke into my game room. Holy <laughs> shit, that's crazy. We in this hey. place. Tonight it's yeah, going to be a cat break. Somewhere in this meow. 
Did you just say um, somewhere in this meow? Oh, fuck yeah, I did. Mm. All right. Come on now. Uh, oh, I, no. I like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry about that. I went to, I like sat down in my shirt, grabbed the microphone, and like, <laughs> like, if it wasn't tied to my, like, like attached to my desk, it would have flung across the room. Um, <laughs> no, I, everything I've heard about story, I'm not mad at it. Uh, every, if, if it turns out to be true, I'm not mad at it for episode nine. Let, let, let's just put it that way. Uh, it a lot of it is it makes sense to me, uh, but the other part of it is like it, it's there's a few things that I think some people may not care for as much, but there's other things that like have been in this in the back of the Star Wars fans' minds for for decades at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like Palpatine and his role and everything, I love that picture of Dash Rendar. Yeah, that, dude. That's the one I was talking uh, about. But like, I definitely don't want to get into the other, like the actual full blown story stuff, uh, be, uh, especially on air because it's all speculation. But it also sounds pretty, pretty accurate. And I don't want to like, you know, spoil the movie for the listeners potentially. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, because I'm, I am super excited for it. I'm, I'm excited that JJ is on board for it. Um. I've already heard certain things about like, you know, layout and everything. You know, Nate, you said that they've definitely, you know, they've, they, they have test screened it there and they're trying to like find the right flow of tone for, for the second and third act. Uh, apparently first act is all, it's done, man. It's, it's done. But you know, for people like, here's the thing. I see a bunch of videos where it's like, New leak on episode nine, and everyone hates it. And then I watch it, and then the dude doesn't say how everybody hates it. It mm-hmm. just it's all it, clickbait. It, it's clickbait, you know, because of how fans reacted, you know, before they're trying to drum up. A, and what I worry about is that you no, know, if this movie is either you know good enough or good, that just the the vibe of the Star Wars fandom, uh, that like like the negative is going to outweigh. You know, the people who are saying, no, this is good. Go see it. Right. Uh, because we, we we live in an era where, where nerddom, whether you are a Star Wars fan, uh, like a Game of Thrones fan, Lord of the Rings fan, or even a wrestling fan to, to some degree, it gets toxic sometimes. Absolutely. It's very toxic. And it's like, if you're somebody who enjoyed The Last Jedi, awesome. Fucking awesome, dude. Because, you know... It's a Star Wars movie, and these movies are meant for us to either, you know, to enjoy to different levels. But, like, you know, whether or not you enjoy something or I enjoy something, it's all perspective. And when we have such outlets as the internet and social media that push negative sells more than positivity, it does. Because when you have, like, just for example, Death Stranding came came out, right? And uh, it's a bit mixed. People don't know what to think of it. And I'm like, well, duh, that's exactly what I was thinking when they were announcing the game for the last four years, because I didn't know what to think of it. When the game comes out, it's going to get a mixed reaction. But the negativity, all you see is clickbait. All you see is people automatically associating that with negativity. And I'm, I am worried about the movie because we could get that all over again. We're not getting that with the Mandalorian. And it's, it, it seems to have the positive things, uh, seems to have outwashed it because I haven't seen anybody say a bad thing about it. 
I don't think so either. I think all, all the reviews and every person I've seen talking about The Mandalorian is just elated with how awesome it is. Um, I saw one... Uh, one uh, Somebody shared the, their review of it, and they said, more like Mandaborian. Um, and I, I assume it's because of like the slow pace and the lack of information and the, la- and the lack of dialogue. But... I happen to enjoy that. It makes me pay more attention to what's going on. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, You know, one of my like earliest complaints and it was, it was immediately after first watch. So everything was, was fresh. I hadn't fully digested anything. And I, I, I told Nate, I was like, you know, I don't really care for how choppy it is. I think it's a little too choppy, but now that I've watched it a dozen times, I don't. I really don't think that it's that it's as choppy as I initially thought. You know, I think that every scene, every interaction that we see between characters or the environment, I think it all flows very, very well. And to um, you know reinforce what you said, Brandon, up until the release of this show, I was incredibly worried that shit posters were going to ruin it. You know, mm-hmm. Nate, Nate and I have talked the last couple weeks, and I, uh, you know, I've, I feel like I've brought it up almost every week. Fans or people who are jealous that they are not fans of uh, of these uh, incredible stories and incredible characters. You know, they they tried to kill the Last Jedi, they tried to kill Solo, they tried to kill Captain Marvel. You know, this is going to continue to happen until something is put into place that they're not allowed that that they are not given the incentive to shitpost these movies or these books or these TV shows to death. And it's really sad. Do you... Oh. oh. Ruby's, Ruby's hey. showing up. Hey, Ruby. Uh, to, to add in real quick, do you guys feel like that nerdum has grown to a point, or toxicity, as, as nerdum toxicity has grown to a point where unless something is absolutely a 10 out of 10 perfect... Like, granted, like, remember, like, when Endgame came out, nobody, nobody dogged on it, because it, because it was great. It was, it's, it's perfect of an ending as you can imagine. But, like, say, for example, say, say Rise of the Skywalker comes out, and, you know, it's not a 10. Maybe it's an 8. Maybe it's like, you know what, this was good. Maybe it's maybe a it 9. Be- you know, maybe it could, yeah, ha, right? See what I did there. But maybe it could have been better. But then just because it's not a 10, it's <sighs> piece of crap. The you damn know? breaking again and everyone shitposting. Yeah, like Tyler, you'll like like you'll associate with this analogy. It's like when Mass Effect Andromeda comes out. Thank you. Okay? Mass Effect Andromeda comes out and gets like sevens out of tens, or there's some eights, maybe some sixes, you know. What is seven out of ten? It, that, that's like good, right? Wouldn't you guys agree that seven out of ten is rated as good? Like, man, this is a good game. That's Shit, dude, I play some five out of ten sometimes and get into them. Right. So, like, um, but 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 it came out and it had some issues. It had its problems. You know, it, it it's probably the fourth best Mass Effect uh, out, of, out of the four. But but there's things here to to you know you can say well that, well as far as like a new series this is actually a pretty good. Solid, good entry, and only, we can only grow from here. But because they the 
the ship posters got on out early because they, they put it out on EA Access two weeks early before everybody else got it. And they're like, wow, there's this problem. This There's this problem. This is, the, you know, I saw somebody post like this game is absolutely unplayable. I give it a seven out of ten. <laughs> and what what the hell? You know, worst game and of the year. Five out of seven. You know, right. You know, and it's like, OK, so then Anthem comes out, gets a five and they're like, oh, my God. This is like what makes you really appreciate Andromeda now, doesn't it? (laughs) You know, it's like, well, shit, you know, like it makes me worry because it's like, well, while we've had this renaissance of nerddom where it's more acceptable, I feel like we're getting to a point where the Internet just gives a voice like, you know, it's that vocal minority that it just overwaves and all you see is the negativity because that sells more. It's more, it's more profitable for people to make videos with big hash with the hashtags or, or, uh, or clickbait of like, you know, episode nine, terrible. Um, I saw like, I see videos now that have that and I absolutely will not click on them because it's like absolutely horrendous news about Anakin Skywalker in episode nine. And I'm like, Okay, so uh, it's horrible, huh? Okay. Meanwhile, on the other videos, the dude is like so excited for episode nine. Like he just like can't contain his excitement. It's like, all right, dude, I get it. You're trying to get your clicks, but I'm not going to watch your stupid shit because. Look, it doesn't matter until the movie's out. Like, and, it, fan and, can and it's j- all. I was just going to say. It's all subjective anyway. It, it, it's all subjective. Exactly. Fan. Uh, opinions are subjective and it, again it doesn't mean shit until we see the movie like then I'll judge the movie and I can give my opinion of what the actual movie did but headlines and your you know here's a set photo that proves that Jar Jar Binks is Emperor Palpatine and I'm like fuck off with that shit man like Photoshop is real or is 2019 like <laughs> come correct with it like don't be stupid also remember remember guys the last Jedi episode that we did after we saw it, we were all high on that movie. I still love the movie. I've never changed my position on liking that. No, my, my opinion is still the exact same. The whole casino scene sucks. (laughs) And that takes it down a peg for me. Do I rank it as high on my total list as I did? Then maybe not. I feel like it doesn't have the rewatchability, but I've come up with a new rank for my star Wars movies. Instead of just paying, you know, like bottom to, to, to top, there are only um, three movies out of the entire series. So a third uh, up to this point. Of course, nine is yet to come out. It may be arguably a fourth, but it's but it's here or there. There, there are good Star Wars movies because honestly, uh, I'm going to sit here and tell you, I don't think we have any bad Star Wars movies. We have ones that I like better than others. But there's only three that give me pure joy to watch. The OGs. Well, no. Oh. It's Empire. Okay, yeah. It's Empire. It's Return of the Jedi. And it was Force Awakens. Hell yeah. Because that moment in the theater with Force Awakens was like a religious experience. With the Falcon? Everything. The whole fucking movie. It was this it was magic. It was being it was able to be in 77, there. but in our time. Kind of, yes. But then, like, you know, that fourth one, if I had to say it, it would be episode three. Me too. Because be, be, because it's just, it gives you everything that 
you know you want to see, plus a few things you, that you didn't know you wanted to see. Maybe it's not 100% perfect across the board, but it's like you get to see it, what you had in your mind about the downfall of Anakin and, and, and the Jedi and the Republic and everything. And it just it flows so seamlessly into the next series of movies that it's it's magic it's that magic it's that star wars magic it's that joy you know i don't necessarily feel that joy when i'm watching the last jedi but i don't feel like that means that it's bad it there are some things that maybe you know we all we all can make our own star wars movies and think it's the greatest the greatest thing that's ever been but there's a reason why none of us get to do that because if i made my version of it i show you guys and you go well i mean that's that, that's cool brando but i mean um, did, did you really have to have everybody wearing slave Leia outfits? And I'm like, don't question my creativity. Even I, Jabba, though, man, come on. I, I I would be all in on that, Brandon. So uh, <laughs> go ahead, and, go ahead and draft something up for me, and uh, I'll see what we can do. Awesome, but I mean, it just like, um, yeah. More more than recently, I've th- I've thought about it, and I've thought about how we rank them, and how we've like, well, you know, some people like the machete order, some people like to watch the originals, and then their prequels, and then the new ones are all the way through. It's like. Well, it's like, you know, it's funny. We all talk about how shitty the prequels are, but anytime a new Star Wars movie comes out where you sit down and watch them. Well, um, and, and I, I stand by, excuse me, I stand by my opinion that if episode two, if Attack of the Clones didn't have so much love story, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as hated as much as it is, but it's totally necessary. Like, mm-hmm. like the, all the Jar Jar shit and all, all the, I love the Phantom Menace. Okay, it's one of it's it is one hundred percent one of my favorite Star Wars movies because it was it was the first Star Wars movie that I got to see in theaters. Same, you know, I didn't get to see the re-releases of the original trilogy in theaters in the in it was it was early nineties, right? Mid or like ninety seven. Yeah. yeah, I didn't get to see those because uh, I, I realistically I didn't even know that they were being re-released into theaters. Because I had all the VHSs at home. I didn't need to go see them in theaters. Exactly. Um, you, you was also a wee lad in 97, Mr. Six-Year-Old. What's that? I said you were also a wee lad in 97, Mr. Six-Year-Old. Yeah, but I got to do anything that I wanted, so uh, I ran that house. Damn. Anyway, um, you know, the like... My experience of going to see The Last Jedi with you guys, and, and, and I've said it a dozen times, and, and I'll say it as many times as people need me to, like what made The Last Jedi so so blissful of an experience for me was that we got to all do it together. You mm-hmm. know, I will remember going to see The Last Jedi with, you know, Nate was pretty much a stranger to me at the time. Um you know, not a total stranger, but I, Nate and I weren't on the level that we are right now. I don't think we so, had only met, like, maybe, what, one or two times prior. M- maybe one time, I think. But, like, so, like, the experience, and, and that's what, you know, my dad came a couple months ago and dropped off a bunch of his Star Wars memorabilia. I have an original program from 1977 when, he's, when he saw it on premiere night. And every time I've talked to my dad about Star Wars, he always brings up the experience of seeing A New Hope in theaters for the first time. And it's like, you know, you go into this unknown thing that no one knew if it was going to do well. You know, it had like this big special effects production. And, you know, I mean, just, just on and on and on. Like, there is no way this movie can succeed 
And it does. And it blows everybody out of the water. And it becomes this worldwide sensation overnight. Excuse me, I got the burps. But I got that I got that same experience twice. You know, I got to see the Phantom Menace. And then I got to see The Last Jedi with my friends. I saw Force Awakens in a little small town theater at a kid's birthday party, and it was incredible. And I remember when the, when the, when they fucking pan over after the quad jumper gets blown up and you see the Millennium Falcon for the first time. Like, I will remember that for the rest of my life. Oh, yeah. And I, don't, I, I will tell you with 100% certainty, I have watched... I have not watched The Force Awakens maybe twice since it came out in my house, and I have watched The Last Jedi one time. Because it, it is not very it is not very good as far as rewatchability goes. Um, it, and, and part of that is because it doesn't captivate me the same way that it did in the theater because of the experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I have? Well, you know what I have watched seven hundred times solo because my kid loves it and I love it. I will say, I will say that the more that I watch the Last Jedi, just like just like you've said, I feel like it doesn't have that rewatchability. I've seen The Force Awakens more because every it was funny because I loved it when I saw it in the theaters, and just like you said with that experience, it was like a religious experience. So the first time I saw it at like somebody's house, I, I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, this movie isn't isn't as good as I thought it was. But then it was that third watch that I'm I'm watching at home now, and I'm like, okay, there it is, I feel it. There it is. I'm back. I got the <laughs> you know, tinglies. Um, and it's that it's that lovable nostalgia. It's the new. It's the old. It was that magic feeling, you know. And you know what you said about about like the old movies. Uh, you know, I've always stood by it. I think Phantom Menace is the most Star Warsy feeling of adventure. It's just it it drags a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's a little annoying in some cases with Jar Jar, but like Episode two and three don't feel like that, you know. Episode two, uh, it, instead of like coming up with a, a a better way to like get the two characters together, it, I feel like it just sort of forces it and shoehorns it. Yes. Uh, but in episode three, it it's all about the the bad guys win, the the fall of everything, and it once again, uh, there's a certain point where it's like you know it, the the movie kicks you in the balls to get to get going, and it kind of dies down a little bit, and then at some point in that movie, it just it goes off that cliff and you never look back and it's awesome. It's like, okay, well, gloves you know, are off. Let's fucking go. Yes. We're doing it. Yes. And you know, uh, not getting to see the original trilogy, I would die to see the original trilogy in theaters. I cannot, I, I would not be, I wouldn't be able to contain myself uh, if I were able to see those. But, you know, uh, I, I took my wife to see last Jedi after we took it and, or, you know, at, like after we went and it was just like that theater experience, you know, it's cinema. So, you know, it, it's not in, in, and I'm sure this is for other movies too. Sometimes you just can't recapture that at home. Right. And, and in a way I feel like maybe, maybe the last Jedi is just a little bit more cinema than what it, than what it maybe needed to be. But, but to that same token, that's why it captivated all of us so much in the theaters, getting to see that, that ship ram right into the dreadnought and oh, it just man. be dead quiet where you could hear a mouse fart. And you're you're just like whoa, or the red that is, or the red room the, scene. The red room scene. That is, I got asked the other day, what's your favorite Star Wars fight scene? And I said the red room scene. Like it's just it's just pure joy. It, it's almost like orgasmic as far as like getting to see, you know, 
these two characters uh, fighting for their lives against all these other characters, and it's a bit sloppy, but they're uh, but they're getting it done, mm-hmm. and they're getting hurt, and they're doing all these really cool different moves, and it 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 is pure awesome as like like as a fight scene goes, and you get you have maybe better ones, but you know. Everybody might pick this one or that one, but like that one is memorable. Oh yeah, for sure for me. Well, I mean, every like, it's hard to say because every Star Wars movie has like an iconic scene that defines mm-hmm. it. You know, the the original trilogy aside, like the Qui Gon and Obi Wan's duel with with Darth Maul. You know, yeah. that defines Episode One. The <clears throat> Dooku Yoda. Well, Dooku and Yoda and, like, everything that happens in the Coliseum, that defines Attack of the Clones. Episode 3, the ending with Obi-Wan and Anakin, man, seeing Master and Apprentice go toe-to-toe and end exactly how we knew it was going to end defines that movie. You have done yeah. that yourself. Yes. Like, all, I mean, the dialogue, the... the, the um, the imagery and the artistic vision of those two duking it out on Mustafar, like, it does it, man. Rogue One is an art piece. Yes. And anyone who disagrees is wrong. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the hallway scene. Oh, The hallway God. scene. I mean, I mean, and there's a couple other scenes in the movie as well, but that hallway scene is like Star Wars version of Gray Fox cutting people down. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Well, not only that, but like, I mean, K2SO's sacrifice, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, you know how Rogue One's going to end. And realistically, in, in the Star Wars timeline, did we need a movie for that? No, but it's incredible. Oh, fuck Solo. yeah, Solo, the Kessel Run. Yes. The iconic thing that has been talked about for 40 years. We see it, and it's fantastic. Love you it. You know, Hans... Han's first duel with, he puts basically his only mentor he's ever had, he puts him down without blinking an eye, without hesitating. That defines the character for the rest of his existence. You know, every Star Wars movie has a moment or or a small group of moments that captivate us as fans and are they all equal? Absolutely not. But th- that doesn't mean that that they're that they're good or that they're, that they're that they're bad. It's Star Wars as a whole is something that I love, that you love, that Nate loves. Like it's a part of who we are. It's shaped us as people. It's it's changed how we it's changed how we rate and critique like other mediums. You know, especially for me in the sci-fi genre, Mass Effect has done the same thing for you and I, Brandon, for sure. I mean, it, mm-hmm. there's no way that it can't. Like, what what power do I have to rob someone else of that? And that's why I get so fired up about all the shit posting and, and the negative reviewing and the clickbaiting because you have no right to take that from someone else. Right. Oh, no, I agree with you. I'm 100%. Man. You know, if 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 you and if if the three of us started this conversation tonight and we started talking about episode two of The Mandalorian, which I assume that's what we're gonna close with, um and Nate was like, Yep, man, it's just fucking shit. 
The episode's too short. There's like three scenes in the whole thing. I fucking hate it. Okay, man, it's, it's your right to hate it. But man, I fucking hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Okay, I get it. You hate it. Like, don't ruin it for everybody else. Oh, but I don't hate it. I love no, it. No, no, no. I'm just using you as an example. <laughs> oh. Um, it's just like, you, you, you don't need to ruin it. Like, don't ruin the party for everybody just because you're unhappy. Because you have no right. No don't right to do that. step in the center of the circle, jerk. Knock it off. Thank you. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned the things about the episode being shorter, only a few scenes, not a lot of dialogue. It's all the reasons I loved episode two of me too. Mandalorian. Like Absolutely. Everything, made, it just sold it for me. You know, uh, when I first saw that it was a little shorter, I was actually a little relieved. I was tired. Uh, I had a long work week. I had to go to work the next day. And we were kind of you know, like, like you know, wrapping up our night, going to eat some dinner. And I saw that it was a little shorter. I'm like, good, I can go to sleep sooner. <laughs> Home run. So I was all, I was all on board. And but also, I I, I don't know how the future episodes are going to be lengthwise. I haven't bothered to look that up, or even if it is available that are, that that kind of information yet. I'm okay if the length of the episode is wholly dependent on the story that they're telling. Yeah, like if it's a two-hour story you're telling, cool. If it's a ten-minute story, I guess that's what we're doing. (laughs) Well, right, but I mean, uh, but for this, it's like episode two is all about okay. And now I got to leave the planet. I know there's some obstacles in the way. You know, we don't we don't necessarily need to draw it out if it doesn't need to be to to fill up the forty-minute, forty-two-minute timeline. That if it were going to be on, like for example, AMC, it's going to be the same length as the previous episode. And it's up to them to try and just fill that out, and it could actually affect the flow of the show. Man, I really loved, you know, the opening of episode two, just him kind of trekking around, and you know, we talked a lot in about episode one with the iconic Western imagery. You know, he's walking through a desert canyon. You know, his ward or his bounty in tow. And the camera pans as as he, you know, it looks like he's not paying any attention at all, but he's hyper aware of his surroundings because he's been mm-hmm. in the, he's been in this situation before. He knows that he's not the only one tracking this this target at this point. And it, <clears throat> as he's walking, just slow and methodical through the canyon, he stops, and the first thing he does is puts his hand on his gun, and like. I had such a Western nerdgasm that I couldn't hardly fucking stand it. Because all I could think of is, man, how many times have I watched a Western where the the main character stops, he almost strikes a pose, and he just slowly puts his hand on his gun because he knows something's about to happen. Boom, Trandoshans just come out of the woodwork. And they've got vibro axes. How many times have we seen a vibro axe? Never. But I love it. Only, only like in the uh, only vibro fiber blades and stuff like that. Yep. But uh, yeah, man, it. I, I'm right there with you again. You know, more spaghetti western. I'm I, I'm happy with that. That's awesome. It's, he makes quick pretty. He makes pretty quick work of all these. Uh, what's the race again, Tyler? Trandoshans. Trandoshan. They are they are the mortal enemy of the Wookies. Ah, because they but, they Trandoshans like like their society is built upon like as you become a man in society, you have to become this great hunter, and 
the species rivalry between the the Wookiee and the Trandoshans is because the Trandoshans love to hunt them. You know, one of uh, Boba Fett's most iconic pieces of his armor is the Wookiee pelt that hangs from from like I can't remember because c- it changes periodically. It's either his left arm or left shoulder or right shoulder. But like if you if you go into Star Wars fiction, like some of the like a lot of the the interesting dialogue between Boba Fett and uh, Bosk is because Bosk hates Wookiees like his species does, and the fact that Boba Fett carries around a Wookiee pelt on his arm is always a an interesting point of conversation for the two of them. Damn, I need to look into some of that uh, reading expanded universe stuff from the olden days. Of course, none of it's canon now, so it's like you know some stuff will obviously be recanonized. Mm-hmm. As they decide what's really great and what is not as 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 quote unquote great, uh, he makes quick work of the Transdotions and then gets back to the Razor Crest that's missing all of its everything. Man, that scene of him walking, coming up over the canyon, and the Jawas just—I mean—destroying his shit is just incredible. It's it's just like a moment of what the fuck am I? What do I even do? What? Did oh, I lose, did I lose you, you guys? guys? Brandon, you still here? I am still here. Okay. okay. Wasn't certain. So, it got really we, quiet we, on all ends. Yep. So I just want to make thought, sure we didn't lose connection. Well, I thought I lost you guys, and you guys thought you lost me. So We're, we're all in the losing game. Yep. Uh, so essentially, Quill shows up and is like, uh, well, I guess I'm skipping ahead a little bit because the Mandalorian chases after the Jawas. And we see how crafty the Jawas can actually be. Well, I mean, one of the one of the biggest things, you know, you wouldn't think that Jawas would have a lot of lore and and background information, but like, if you read about Jawas, like the Sandcrawler that they all have, because they all have one, they live in this giant family group in the Sandcrawlers. Like, it is an impenetrable fortress. Like, it it does not stop moving very often. And when it does, it's still hard as shit to get inside of it, you know. So Giant when Trojan he, horse, man. Yeah, basically, when he gets to the top and every one of them stuns him at the same time, I lost my shit because it's just hilarious. That and he <laughs> falls in such a way, you're just like, oh, that fucking hurt. Oh, it hurt bad. You know, he probably came to consciousness way before he got up and just laid there and and. Reevaluated his life decisions because he got the shit shocked out of him. <laughs> he was doing the Peter Griffin thing without actually grabbing the wound and going. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yes. <sighs> but once what I one part that sorry Brandon to cut you off, but one thing real quick that we didn't talk about was he sustained some damage from the Trandoshan fight, and mm-hmm. and little baby Yoda kept trying to use the Force on him, and he just kept putting him back in his little crib. Oh yeah. It's almost kind of like, you know, a parent, like, no, get, stay in your bed. Yes. <laughs> no, no, I can heal you. No, stay in your bed. <laughs> but I can put a Band-Aid on you, Dad. Close. <laughs> <laughs> Close the door. Lock it. I cannot also, uh, I could not contain my giddiness when I, when I you know, because, you know, we saw the shootout from before. And we saw, you know, like, we, you know, like we see these guys getting hit by blaster bolts and all this stuff. But to see him straight up disintegrate Jawas and blow these sons of guns away, 
these little shits. I'm like, yes! Man, man, seeing that gun opened up and l- watching him let that thing eat. <laughs> no disintegrations this time. Oh, man. Uh, but those little shits work fast, man. That shit was torn apart. It gone. Torn apart. It they gone. knock uh, the Mandalorian off of the, off of the ship. They continue on their trek. He goes back to kind of figure out, like, what the hell am I even going to do? And this is where Quill shows back up and, mm-hmm. again, says, I will help you. I have spoken. Uh, and he kind of says, though, he's like, listen, we can. I can actually broker a deal between you and the Jawas. And he's like, I don't think the Jawas really like me. Like, I just, I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I just killed a fuck ton of their family. Like, I'm not sure they're going to want to barter anything with me. Well, I loved it, you know, the the scene of, you know, Quill on the Blurg, the Mandalorian on the cart behind him, just trucking it through the ma- through the mud and the rain and the slop. Like, the score, again, stands out in this episode. It's fantastic. Um, it makes, the music makes you feel all the emotions that you're supposed to. Because, I mean, you've got this big, tough gunfighter, this warrior, or this, this... This guy from a warrior race just got the fuck beat out of him by some Jawas. You know, basically the rats of all, all sentient species in, in, in all the galaxies. And then they show up and, and Quill is conversing with the Jawas and he's like, yeah, they don't like you. And he's like, well, I fucking disintegrated some of them, you know? Like, of course they don't like me. And then they start and- the bartering process. And the Jawas are making fun of him. Yeah, you sound like a Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> you do hear a boo-dee-dee. Oh man! And then they like he just opens up his flamethrower. Uh, That—that's also the scene, Tyler. That's also the scene where he's like, "Leave your weapons here." He goes, "I'm a Mandalorian. Weapons are my religion." Mm-hmm. I, I mean, leave your rifle. Uh, okay, I'll leave my rifle. Your blaster, too. And he, like, just the contempt. Like, you can't see his face at all, but the like, you can feel the contempt for these fucking <laughs> little Jawas. Like, God damn it. <laughs> oh, man. But you we bested get, me we, this time. Yep. We get a, a, a deal made where the Mandalorian has to secure an egg. And as soon as they said egg on the show, I was like... Fuck! Is he gonna have to go fight a crate dragon? Oh yeah. Is he is he gonna have to fight? Uh, I don't remember the the spider critter uh, that's featured on like Dagobah and a bunch of other places. But like, is this dude gonna have to fight? I mean, is he gonna have to do some shit? And, Kinda. Uh, yeah. I mean, he he goes on a little trek and enters a cave looking for an egg, and. Uh, I'll let someone jo- else jump in here, but like the sequence of events that transpires once he enters the cave, I loved it. It's fantastic. You know what? I agree, dude. I absolutely agree. The, um, you know, it was the suspense with the flashlight and all that, you know, he, uh, and all, by the way, like the baby pod's still following him around. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's not leaving that baby pod too far out of his sight. And so, you know, he's walking in there, it's that suspense. And all of a sudden you see like the, the, the scene from Jurassic Park where the kids are looking out of the Jeep mm-hmm. and it's the eye and you just see him fly right back out of the cave. 
Well, you hear the you hear the blaster go off four or five times. So like, yeah, you know he's 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 bobbing and weaving and he's trying to do his thing and he just gets shit plowed right out of the cave. And One thing I want to mention it was it was kind of an interesting callback to another cave scene involving the Millennium Falcon, and was that Empire? Yeah. Where the they go into the asteroid and it's actually inside the creature's mouth and they have to like fucking zoom out last second, right? Am, yep. am I correct? Yeah. That that did happen. I'm I'm just I, my memory is not a hundred percent sometimes, so I just correct me if I'm wrong. But like I love that scene and then like I'm not sure what that rhino looking motherfucker is, but apparently someone at Disney figured out how to make him look not so blurry. Looking at you, Black Panther. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll never live that down, Tyler. I'll always bring that up for you. Uh, but I loved the sequence because it was this like ultra David Goliath moment that you didn't. I think we kind of knew was coming, but from the Mandalorian's perspective, he didn't know was coming, and that's what made it so epic. Well, I mean, in the cave, like when he's <clears throat> in the cave, the blaster obviously doesn't work. So then when he when he gets knocked out, then it's onto the rifle. You know, the rifle's jammed with... You know, one thing that I really appreciate, let's rewind real quick, when he's disintegrating Jawas, he's actually got to load the rifle. You know, it's, it's not this never-ending well of it's constantly full of ammunition. He's got to load it one at a time, which is a callback to uh, a rifle that was very prominent in Western times, the Spencer Carbine... You know that's what that's what the the stock of that weapon's designed on or off of. He's loading it one round at a time, and uh, Rhino's here. It's danger time. Gun no shoot. Oh no. Gun no load either. Uh oh. Mm hmm. You know he's he's trying the flamethrower on it. He tries the grappling hook. It just pounds him into the mud. You know like. He is he is fighting a losing battle. They even did a really unusual Star Wars thing where they use slow motion, mm-hmm. which you don't really get in the Star Wars universe very often. It like slowed everything down. He was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm pretty much fucked here." And then right when this thing's gonna charge him to fuck his day up, oh, he pulls out the vibro knife. It, it, I mean, he's not really gonna get very far. I don't really think with the vibro knife. Well, I that that symbolism for, like, he he's dying in in glorious combat for for lack of a better descriptor, like he has met his match, so he's gonna die fighting and he's not gonna run away, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Luckily, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. And lucky for him, he doesn't have to. Our unnamed, we'll call it the child, since that's the episode of Chapter Two's title. Uh, the child uses the force ability and stunts this rhino creature in midair, just like whop. It takes every ounce of energy of this child's powers to delay the creature from uh, destroying the Mandalorian. But the Mandalorian kind of is like, at first he's stultified, like, what the fuck? What's happening? Like, how? how what? What? Mm-hmm. And then he kind of has to make like the quick judge reference that when this thing drops, I have to either make my kill shot or it's going to kill me. And luckily he makes the kill shot. 
Kill shot. Well, I mean, again, like, with the symbolism and the score and, and the way that that scene is shot, like, the rhino creature is up off the ground and the child is doing everything it can to keep it stunned. And as soon as he gives out, like, the rhino drops and it starts to move to kill the Mandalorian. And he is still stunned. He's in disbelief. And just that snap decision... Oh fuck! I gotta stab this thing. He does it, and you know it's like I I don't know. It's like you know we didn't talk in episode one about the flashbacks of him as a child. We what we assume is him as a child, um, mm-hmm. but it's like he's fighting an an an, an a, a continuous battle of survival everywhere he goes, and. At that moment, he thought that was done. You know, he yeah. he had met his match, and for something spectacular and miraculous to happen like that, uh, especially towards the end of the episode, you know, we got enough foreshadowing of it at the beginning of the episode. I didn't think it was actually going to happen. I thought that the Yoda, the the child was going to fail, and you know, he was going to have to come up with something else. Great way to end an episode. Oh, dude, it was. And it makes you wonder, like, you know, to your point earlier, if you were like the, you know, the theory that the force kind of created this, this child, uh, but is just this race, the, the Yoda race, uh, are they just really powerful in, in, in their connection with the force? And then it's like, is Yoda just a shining example of what they can do? Mm-hmm once they really dedicate their lives and how powerful he was among the most powerful Jedi within the force ever. Right. And it like, was it even more so because his, his whatever his race is, is just automatically in even, tune. Just more in tune with it. Yeah. yeah, More in tune with it. Um, but I, I really like how like they did that. And then it would just, you know, like, because they're saying that, that that this child is fifty years old. I don't, I'm not sure if we ever uh, touched on that. This child's fifty and, and is still cooing and you know and not speaking words and is more of a more of it's it, not sure whether or not it's an actual just toddler uh, like or anything. I mean, it's a really small baby and is fifty years old. Obviously, ages ages a lot differently than than other races. Mm-hmm. But um, man, it just like it just drained that kid. And that kid is unconscious for the rest of the episode until the very end. Yeah, he goes to sleep, man. Night, 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 night. Needs that rest. Needs the rest. Absolutely. My question is, had he healed the Mandalorian, would that have used as much of his power? Uh, How much, you know, like, I guess. I don't know. uh, Was this a, because the child literally went to do that knowingly, like, uh, instinctually. He's hurt. I can help him. So, again, when you're on the battlefield, the rhino's charging. Instinctually, the child's like, oh, I can stop him. That's crazy for a 50-year-old cooing baby. Well, I think I think also, <laughs> like, you know, we all have a, a pretty well-thought-out knowledge of the Force and, and how emotion plays into it. Like, this toddler, I, I think, is maybe not even intelligent enough to know that he needs the Mandalorian to survive whatever uh whatever trouble he's in you know at, at least at that like he knows that that papa has got to be there to take care of him 
you know? Mm-hmm. And so that, that sequence of events, he's watching his, his, his caretaker basically on the brink of death. And that spur of emotion, is that what gave him enough power to stop that creature in its tracks? I think so. Because what, what gives more power to a Force user than emotion? Not really a whole lot, you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, obviously, Quill and the Mandalorian get the parts from the Jawas because he's successful in bringing the egg back, mm-hmm. uh, which was actually an egg. Kind of gross. Yeah, they they fucking chomp that thing. They just oh, man. open it up and start That gooping. was like, dude, that was hilarious. Like, because you're wondering, like, oh, what are they going to do with this thing? Are they going to, like, uh, are they going to, like, you know, maybe uh, raise one of these things and train it? Mm-hmm. Or whatever, and like no, dude, they slice that thing open and go to town. Just goop, booty d, man, they're hungry. A little, and a little like, yolk bath. Oh man, I was like, all right. Uh, I, I, I can only imagine what he thought in that moment. You know, it, it's almost like I don't know if you guys ever watched the movie um, Almost Heroes mm-hmm. with, uh, <laughs> with 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 our buddy Chris Farley, and he has to go get these uh, the egg of an eagle to cure Matthew Perry, and he. So he he ventures down, finds the nest, and he he risks life and limb to get this egg. And then he gets hungry, so he, he eats it. And then he goes, he has to climb back up the tree to get it. And he keeps it getting attacked by the damn eagle. And then he he gets the egg again. And then he and then he's sitting there, and he he hears a pig, so he goes and shoots the pig. Then has bacon and egg. And then he's like, damn it, I gotta go back up there to get this egg. So then he goes back off the tree and is like, come on, you son of a bitch. Come and get me. And he gets the egg, and he finally gets all the way back up the mountain with this egg. And he's like, oh, oh, I got it. I made it back. And then he trips and falls and almost breaks the egg. And he's like, he catches it. And then she picks the egg up and cracks it. I just needed the and shell. Like, oh, what are you doing? He goes, she goes, all I needed was the shell. Oh. <laughs> Oh, if I would have known that, I would have just brought it the first time. God damn it. Oh, God, shit. one of the funniest sequences in movies ever. Oh. Just Chris Farley's look when that big... It's like... <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so uh, Quill and the Mandalorian officially rebuild the ship. He offers bounty and reward to Quill, and Quill's like, I'm not taking it. You're my guest. I'm here to help you. Well, he offers he him offers a job. Him a, 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 he offers him a job, a space on the, uh, you know, hey, man, I could use a guy like you. I have done everything to create a life free of servitude, though, Quill says, and he's and Mandalorian's like, well, then all I can offer you is my thanks. And he's like, I'll take it, man. And they uh, they zoom off into the stars. Episode over. Baby wakes up. Yeah. I like how he's like shaking the crap out of that thing. He's like, are you awake? <laughs> They're going to tell you not to shake the baby. You're going to want to shake the baby. Don't <laughs> shake the baby. How what a boom baby. Oh, man. Uh, all in all, I loved episode two. I cannot wait to see where we go from here, guys. What are your final thoughts? Uh, lightning round style on the episode what would you close with uh for the first two episodes here of the mandalorian uh you can go ahead brandon i will just say first two episodes uh we have we have a lot more questions than answers which is 
you know, kind of good because they're not giving us everything that we want right out of the gate. Um, we don't know a lot about Mandalorian's past. Of course, what in that flashback sequences, uh, someone said that they saw a uh, a uh, a separatist battle droid. Mm-hmm. So that could have been the conquest of Mandalore, which sets right up with the timeline of how her, how old he would be uh, for the timeline of the series. So it's like, um, are, are, you know, since we saw a little bit of the Mandalorian tribe that he's with, are we going to see more of that? I, I assume we will. Um, is he going to want to give up this baby? Uh, who is this baby? Are we going to find out more about that? There's just so much stuff, you know, I, in a way, uh, I don't think we're going to get this answer, but I, you know, we, we're in this lawlessness of, of, of the galaxy right now with the absence of the empire and the new Republic is not yet fully established. So I want to know more, uh, politically what's going on, you know, same. So, you know, I know like these first two episodes get a two big thumbs up from me. I love the, I love the spaghetti Western feel as we've hammered home here. I love, uh, just, uh, I'm getting to know this new character. Uh, I want to know more, and I want to know more today. Uh, everything that Brandon said, uh, and more, if I can double down on it. I mean, I, I want to see, I want to see more of the remnants of the empires, uh, <clears throat> kind of their their position. You know, like Brandon said, politically, like there are obviously empirical holdouts. Uh, I want to see more of that. I want to see him interact with... I want to see Carl Weathers more. Um, you know, I love Carl Weathers as an actor, and I, I, I've really I've really enjoyed his... what little we've seen of, of his character so far. I, but, up, but more than anything, I want to see more interaction with the Bounty Hunters Guild because... all Not necessarily even all the major Bounty Hunters that, that we have come to love as fans uh, through... You know the expanded universe and and you know like Star Wars Rebels and the Clone Wars and all that. Like put all that to the side. Like give me more new and original characters. When it when are uh, the new characters like uh, Cara Dune? When, when is she gonna come into play? Uh, you know like is IG Eleven gonna make a return? I saw. I, I don't know if it was promotional material or like a a sneak like a like still images of a sneak preview for this this upcoming week's episode but it looks like IG11 or maybe another IG unit makes a return. I want to see more of that. Let's let's keep fleshing out new and unique characters and <coughs> let's see how this child affects, you know, this new character that we're infatuated with, how that child and affects his growth and and the continuation of his story. So uh, if I had more than two thumbs, I would give them. I mean, I guess you could put your wang up, too. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's not as big as my thumbs. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's not what I was saying at all. You put your toes up, too, I guess. Oh, Jesus. Uh, no, all in all, I'll just say it again. I absolutely loved the first two episodes of The Mandalorian. I cannot wait to see what chapters three through eight bring. I'm really interested if we're going to have some sort of unspoken crossover into episode nine because the chapter seven comes out before that movie as opposed to just releasing it the same day. Um, Of course, that could be marketing as well just to make sure people are going to theaters, but it's Star Wars. People are going to go regardless, I think. Uh, With that being said, though, guys, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of JIC. Anything else? No, you we, we got it. it. 
We done it. We nailed it. We've nailed it. Ah, pre-empire Razor Crest. Nice. Anyways, folks, as always, you can check out the Journey into Comics podcast on iTunes or Apple Music, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, Castbox, TuneIn, and many others. Just search Journey into Comics Network. Also, go to patreon.com backslash journey into comics and give us a dollar. We'll give you a holler. Uh, make sure to check out Game Addicts Podcast wherever you find them, which is on all the same podcasting platforms. They also stream on Twitch and on Facebook Live occasionally, or maybe all the time. I'm not really 100% on that. Uh, Brando, do you want to take it away on that part? Uh, yeah, go check out Game Addicts Podcast. That's my podcast. Uh, on a lot of those other stuff, uh, all the pal- all, all the podcast platforms you can dream of, and YouTube, you know, the one-stop shop for all your stuff. Uh, getting going to get back into doing more episodes and doing uh, some more gaming content as uh, as we've gone, you know, getting used to the baby and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, as soon as that sleep schedule uh, kinds of kind of extends a little bit, we'll be doing a little bit more over there. Heck yeah, cannot wait! All right, folks. Well, I think that's going to do it for Journey into Comics two hundred and seventy. A fistful of calamari flan. I'm Nate. I'm Tyler. I'm Brando, and we have spoken. Ah. Uh, and with that, guys, we'll see you later. Pop your caps back and fill your brains with Blurg. Later, guys. <laughs>